Good afternoon, and welcome to MGO Podcast. Welcome to MGO Podcast 15.10. It's November, and now the season starts. Listeners, the MGO podcast is rife with strife. Uh huh. Because these guys are not paying me my proper respects. He, did, I, I have problems with your voice. Okay. I have problems, and, and well, I can see, as I'm recording on this very visual podcast, okay. I can see the problems with your voice because run, sometimes you're loud. Run a compressor. Yes, I, I vary my intonations, you, I vary my volume levels, I vary how. Quickly or slowly, I speak. I spend hours. It's all part of being you. a raconteur. I spend folks. so much time compressing your voice. It's uncanny. Between this and WTKA and the Friday show, like part long parts of my week are just it's compressing not, you just Brian. A, you just hit a button. <laughs> all you do is hit a button, and then it compresses and it sits so, there compressing. It's like a compiler. So you're, that, you're my compiling. That was the loud version. Yeah. So what's the what's the quiet version on the other end? Well, I don't mean it's just me talking. I mean, so look at look at the levels when you do this. <laughs> Very visual podcast. <laughs> Maybe we should do a video cast. Meta visual podcast. No, we, we already do those, and it's like people can see my house, and I'm like, oh, I got to turn off all my lights and close my door. <laughs> this is a new level of visual podcast because we're actually talking about the volume levels, visualizing yeah. the volume levels of the podcast. Yeah. The visual visual podcast. Anyway, there was a football game. Kind of. Exactly. Just like there have been eight previous ones. And I got a, I got a, I got a bone to pick. I bet you do. <laughs> with whoever put this at 7.30. It's the second time a team from Indiana has played Michigan at 7.30 in November. Because the worst, the worst night game to have is the crappy night game. Yeah. Because you know that you're going to be at the crappy night game and you're going to be watching a not very competitive football game. And meanwhile, Washington and <laughs> USC and LSU and Alabama are going to be beating each other's heads in. Well, I don't know. USC and Washington was... Or they're going to be dancing merrily through fields of defenders. Is that better? I don't think there were that many defenders on the field. <laughs> How did you even watch this game? They're going to be scoring lots of touchdowns. Our game ended at eleven, like what, eleven thirty? He's something? just extrapolating from the box score. I, okay. I have, I, I mean, I have televisions in front of me at at like the, the game. Yeah, there's, there's no one in the row in front of me, so we bring televisions and set them up. And what? the best part is, you guys actually believe me when I'm saying that, which is amazing. I don't. I so would, my reputation precedes me as somebody put, who's able to see. Like, the, no, the, so the thing was, is like, there's no way that the Wi-Fi is going to be good. <laughs> But I was at a game once, and there were two small children in front of me that we we're really avoiding talking about. This game. <laughs> and there were two small children in front of me, and I couldn't get any access whatsoever. And they were just on Instagram watching stupid videos of, like, guys exploding or something. The, the, I was like, how do you have the bandwidth? So I thought maybe they had some sort of super secret elite 
Wi-Fi that you had somehow finagled access to and not told me about, which would have been a firing offense. You, <laughs> you can get on M Wireless if you have an M Global, like a Uobish.edu account. Or oh, I, I have, I have, I have a solution that I will not tell anyone about. Okay. I got it. Is it I, like your secret parking spot? Yes, it's the secret parking <laughs> spot of Michigan Stadium, and you like I'm going to Connor Stallions that. Uh-huh. <laughs> also, are you? I refusing? refuse to say anything about it ever. <laughs> also, I think people just download stuff for kids to watch. I don't think they have to. No, stream they, they were scrolling Instagram with live videos, and I was like, I want to steal their phones, but then I was like, I would we, go to jail. We probably shouldn't. Say that on the. We want to thank Underground Printing for starting this and making it possible. Stop by and pick up some gear. Check them out at uogpmichiganapparel.com or check out our selection of shirts on the mgoblogstore.com. We would also like to thank our associate sponsors Peak Wealth Management, Matt Demers, Realtor and Lender, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Guard, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Human Element, Winewood Organic, Signal Wire, Sharon's Heating and Air Conditioning, the Autograph Rewarding Fans App, and Venue by 4M, where we are live currently. All right. Our, our second is this when we do the JJ in incomplete uh, section. We can't we're not, do that. We're not doing that one. This time. <laughs> I should say the score. Yeah, Michigan forty-one, Purdue thirteen, but uh, basically six. But basically six. I think a lot of people were surprised that it was thirteen at the end. There, when it was forty-one-six, is when the the stadium pretty much emptied out. Yeah, I was like, what happened? And they're like, oh, some schmuck got beat on the corner. And you're like, oh wait, maybe it wasn't a schmuck. Still, that was the point. It's like you would expect it to be some guy. Yeah, it was not some guy. Anyway, it was a dude. It was a dude. Uh, it says something that J.J. McCarthy completes two thirds of his passes. For 335 yards, and everybody is like, oh, man, what's wrong with J.J.? I know. Because <laughs> I had that feeling, too. I'm like, man, J.J. is just not having a good game today. And it's not yeah. like it was the Bowling Green game where he threw three picks. It was it was like, oh, he's almost 10 yards in attempt, completing two-thirds of his passes. And everybody's like, oh, God, what's I know. happened? No, no, this is like tailing into like the good Cal McCord games. Like That's how bad it was. <laughs> I mean, that's accurate. That's actually pretty funny, Seth. Um there were also multiple drops. There were. So on top of the completions he did have, there was... Wilson uh, dropped a crosser. Wilson dropped a crosser. Barnhart dropped a first down. Not Barnhart. Yeah, it was Barnhart. No, Barner. Barner? Uh, yeah, Barner. Right. So, he doesn't catch passes. <laughs> Barner. On, on the replay, I don't think that was on Barner. I do. Okay. It was inside of him. It wasn't a great throw, but it's inside the frame of his body. That's always going to be something you need to catch. I don't know if it was. It was. Well, I, he's throwing into – we have not played very many teams that play man against us for an obvious reason. And when you're throwing against man, there you have to hit certain windows. And the receiver has to kind of adjust a little bit more because – I mean, some of these were in zone too. But I think J.J. was throwing into the window when the receiver sometimes would sit down. There's the Johnson one as well. Where he like the Johnson one was just high and no this, that's the touchdown that the he other missed. one yeah the other one is when he's throwing down the hash Johnson kind of overruns a little bit because JJ took an extra step he got a little hurried in the pocket I mean that's kind of ha- happy feet there and like I kind of felt like I don't know that I thought I put that one on JJ but there was one early to Loveland that he winged wide yeah yes that did feel like. Loveland is playing against a lot of zones, so he's sitting down against the zone. But against man coverage, you want to drift away right. from the defender who's to your interior, and that's what he, what JJ anticipated, but Loveland didn't actually execute. Right. We were actually talking about different ones because oh. you said he winged one wide, and that was in the middle of the field. The one I was thinking of was the third down near the goal line, where 
he kind of is going to catch it, but then the outside defender hits him and knocks it out. But if that's thrown like inside of his body frame and he just kind of catches it inside, then the defender doesn't have a play on it. Yeah, I mean, so it was a little reminiscent of the Rutgers game last year, except you know he completed two thirds of his passes for three hundred. <laughs> Other than that, but there were a number of throws where it was like, can JJ McCarthy get a little help here? And the answer yeah. was mostly no. I mean that was the that was the CJ touchdown. That was not a great throw, but it was good enough. And good on enough. replay, yeah. ball goes through both of his hands. Yeah, like that's that's, that's a catch. That's going to be a three. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a routine drop. In the NFL, if he wants to play in the NFL, like you gotta catch that. Well, he he jumped a little early too, so he's actually coming down. It was just it was just awkward. Hands. But for the whole year, when I get to the receivers chart and the UFR, there's like two uncatchables. There's maybe one or two circus catches, and there's maybe one or two tough. Mm-hmm. catches and then everything else is routine yeah and that's something i pointed out in the season preview right is that like mcnamara versus jj jj shifted half of mcnamara's difficult and circus attempts to routine yeah and that was not in the case in this game there's going to be a number of twos there's going to be a number of ones like there was that loveland catch that he he made on a ball that was way wide of him that mm-hmm. the uh cornerback was able to knock out near the goal line that's the one i was referring to mm-hmm. so there's also one that um to, to morris on the third and seven where if he if he's accurate on that morris can bring it in and get the first down easily yeah. morris oh. has to kind of reach out of his frame and the one the that one that he almost fumbled they almost fumbled yeah. right i don't think they were reviewing a fumble they were reviewing the catch. catch yeah you couldn't review a fumble there, but yeah, yeah. I was I, well, I was actually a little bit surprised it didn't overturn it. I thought it was borderline. It was pretty close. Yeah, yeah I think it was based on football move. Like he catches it. I and think then it pulls was it just in. a call stands where it's yeah. like. Also, at that point, the game was. No, that was no. The game was that was like. Oh, was that before like, they scored their touchdowns? It was like twenty to three. That was the first half. Was the first half? It was the first half because yeah. the that was how they got their second field goal in the first half. Is because they went for it on that. They go for it on the fourth. Yeah, and you're right. And then there's the one the out route to Wilson that he catches off his leg. That's a phenomenal catch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So McCarthy looks mortal in this game, ish, except for a few really nice passes. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> it's like oh, the back shoulder to Loveland. There's, yeah. There's, the, I mean, the, the throw downfield to Edwards was pretty spot on. Yeah, and. If that's going to be like a bad J.J. McCarthy performance, we're going to okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If this is the second worst game he has this year. I don't think it will be because the two defenses coming up uh, that aren't Maryland are very good. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, we're going to see a lot more man coverage now than we were. Maryland plays a lot of it. Penn State's going to play a lot of it because they've got the dudes. And Ohio State's going to play it because they think they've got the dudes. <sighs> I mean, if you want to play man coverage against this team, go, uh, go for it, honestly. I mean that's that's what they're gonna do. I, that that Purdue I, people were complaining about the running game. We'll get to that, but like Purdue stacks all these guys at the front and just plays man coverage. And right, that this is what that looks like. But that's kind of what they did, or not they, but they being Illinois last yeah. year, where where Walters was right. So I mean, it you, you can't really right. But last year was the game before Ohio State with Michigan was just like let's just get out of here. Well, and there, sure, there were definitely similar aspects to this game because mm-hmm. there were zero zone reads, yeah. right? So they're just able to tee off on the interior run game the whole whole game. And then when you get that Samaj Morgan jet sweep, it's like, oh. <laughs> well, and they did the flip to CJ, right? Like they fake the inside zone and CJ yeah. comes behind the back and they flip it to him and he's got basically a touchdown. Yeah, and they got up 14 nothing real quick, then it was 17 nothing, And then I think at that point it was like, why? 
Yeah. Like, we got Penn State next week. Let's get out well, of here healthy. Let's, you know, rep some stuff that we haven't rep before. I mean, this 37 attempts for McCarthy is, I think, a career high. I mean, maybe the TCU game maybe he had the TCU more. Game. But, but Michigan probably could have come at this team and been like, all right, we're going to scheme up some ways to screw with their defense on the ground and see what happens and probably have a pretty good game running. But one thing we haven't seen from J.J. McCarthy is him run a pass-first offense. Yeah. And they did in this game, and I think they had a pretty good plan to attack what Purdue was doing. Mm-hmm. Like those – The whip routes? The, well, the the yo-yo motion. Yeah. Right. All that stuff where, like, the first two drives, I'm like, this is too easy. they got to stop doing whatever they're doing. You well, mean that, Purdue? Is that yeah, Purdue? Yeah, that first third and six – was just <laughs> where they run it with Wilson, yeah. and that guy is dead the second Wilson turns around. And they do it to Morris, too. Yeah. Yeah, it is actually wild that Illinois' defense was so good last year running this approach because they have a safety that's in Bolivia. Yeah. Like, I don't think that was Illinois' yeah, that safety. that was pretty deep. I Like, I've seen – I was like, a 15-yard safety, that's weird. That's like DJ Durkin stuff. Well, that guy's a true freshman, so he needs a little time then, to kind of get down to where This guy going. was lining up at 25 yards. Right, so yeah. he's like coming – like, you, you – on a rewatch, you're watching and you're like, okay, these are where the guys are. And then the guy comes out of nowhere and you're like, I didn't know. That. Is he a punt returner? Like, why is the guy <laughs> back there? Like, what's what's going on here? Well, and one thing that we learned uh, about this style of defense is if you actually involve your quarterback in the run game, it dies. Because if they have to check, mm-hmm. you have a, a safety who's nowhere near the play. <laughs> right. And then you have even numbers in the box. Yeah. I, I mean, go back to 2015, Michigan, Ohio State. Right, yeah. But Michigan didn't do any of that, and you know why. Because they didn't have to. Right. And so what looks like, you know, it was a sloppy second quarter, a sloppy third quarter, and then you get the Samaj Morgan jet sweep, and I was like, oh, they could have just been doing this all along. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to keep it under wraps, but now they're irritated that it's 20-6 to six in the third quarter, and they're like, fine, <laughs> we'll put something on tape, just kind of salt this one away. And that's – you know, what the next couple yeah. drives were. And it's like, okay, now it's 34 to 6. Okay, ball game. I and mean, then they, it's not like they're going to, they're breaking out a big secret. They ran that with Giles Jackson against Ohio State in 21. They ran it with AJ Henning. Yeah. No, well, not Henning in 21, Giles Jackson in 19. Yeah, I'm not, I'm talking about specifically. I'm not saying it's the, the technical oh, yeah. <laughs> reverse flea flicker, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's something where it was obviously highly effective. And the first time you, you actually run it with them, you're probably going to get a, a big chunk. So uh, let, let's talk about this because. This it's kind of an interesting thought, and it kind of fits the narrative of the season pretty well. So you guys talk about not putting things on tape because you want to save them for Team X, Y, or Z. Yeah. But then you also talk about putting things on tape so that Team X, Y, or Z has to prepare for them. So is there a – it's a continuum, I yeah. assume. So it break down. Like how, how – what is good and what is not, and what do you want to see, what do you don't want to see? Well, what you want to do is you want to – keep guys off balance and so diversifying your run game is very good like having a bunch of stuff that you actually can run which is does not include like zone. Like, <clears throat> like different sorts of power counters right because split zones that kind of thing yeah like you want to be able to pull a bunch of people from different positions to confuse people's reads because that's going to happen live too mm-hmm. like if you're running power gt then someone's keying on the tackle uh, and if you're running a regular power and someone's keying on the tackle, like then, then they're going to be delayed. So all that stuff that is like instant read thermometer kind of decision making from the defense you want to put out there. Like messing with guys' keys. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you don't. I, Michigan runs a lot of constraints. Michigan probably runs more. Uh, those we're talking about the running game now. They were running more constraint plays than they were their base plays. Well, this is not a game where you can really run your base plays because right. they have a five-man front, so you can't run duo. Yeah, because you can't yeah, double anyone. Right. Yeah, you can double one guy with a tight end, but that's not really duo. But that's not tack. Yeah, you can't double a tackle because the extra guy you double is on the edge. Any, anyway, my point was that they th- their constraint plays are things that work if you if you just block them correctly. They're standard. They're, they're plays that you could make your base if you really wanted to. Well, but they're like your second pitch. Like the wineback stuff is not. Yeah. Wine, but So wineback's an example. The um, end arounds are an example of things that particularly punish the way the defenses play your base. And if they're not playing that way, they're probably going to get got because they're usually going to have somebody out on the edge. They're going to have somebody step up outside. The normal way a defense plays, if they're not unbasing themselves to stop your base thing, <clears throat> will stop certain things like that. Well, and also, you need reps. Yeah. Right? So Especially this team. Yeah, so there's a crack sweep in the first half that goes for a loss of two. And what happens on that play is Loveland gets outside the end man on the line of scrimmage, who's a stand-up linebacker. They pull both uh, Zinter and Barnhart. And the guy who is the defensive tackle, defensive, I guess he's in the end, the defensive yeah. end to the play side just follows Zinter, gets into him, mm-hmm. and blows it up. Mm-hmm. And if Loveland correctly blocks down on that guy, oh, is that what that was? Play. Yes. So Loveland needs to crack the defensive end because you're pulling the you need if you there's a defensive player who you're pulling away from, you need to get that guy. Okay. And so. That's an example of Michigan not having enough crack sweep reps to correctly identify a defense that is unusual. Because mm-hmm. this is the, probably the first and only time Michigan is going to be seeing a five-man front on virtually all snaps. So even though stuff like crack sweep and power is not as complicated as outside zone, they still have some complications. So And then we ran an outside zone in this game, uh, lead zone, mm-hmm. with uh, Edwards coming and Mulling leading it out. That was four yards. And what you see on that is both Mullings and Barnhart go to the same guy. And it's like, yeah, we suck at outside zone. <laughs> yeah. Because we do not have the infinite contingency plans that outside zone needs. I think it's easier to get crack sweep right. I think it's easier to get everything right other than outside zone. So you don't want to put explosives, potential explosives on tape. Which is not jet sweep. I mean, I would pref- if I'm Jim Harbaugh and I have a freshman Samaj Morgan – and people haven't seen that, I want to keep that for Penn State. Because that guy was shot out of a cannon. Mm-hmm. Like, I, he's probably going to set the record for downfield completions to a guy who you could throw into a bathtub from 50 yards away. He's like 120 <laughs> pounds. <clears throat> and he's, like, and he's, he's, he's looking like the kind of guy who could make that work. So I was kind of getting a little bit of vibes of he is starting to look like future Roman Olsen. I, th- I saw someone on the internet say that he l- kind of felt like discount Desmond. <laughs> that's that's not a bad. Maybe it's yeah. a little before my inability to well, process what. Particularly okay, the uh, the tunnel screen that he turns into a seven yard touchdown where he powers through. Oh no, that was a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it was a couple weeks ago yeah. where it's just like, all right, I'm gonna. Uh, 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 I'm, I'm jukebox. Yeah, I'm, I'm very very visually here. Uh, and then he runs through a guy. I'm like, that's like Steve Breston. Desmond Howard mm-hmm. kind of stuff, and they're throwing it to him downfield. They, he had a couple of downfield catches in this one, and he could have had a couple more, but he was missed. 
Mm-hmm. So I feel like in the past, when we've had a Dennis Norfleet or an Eddie McDoom or I Giles mean, Jackson, Giles Jackson, Jackson. Jamming, like <laughs> what you don't see those guys doing is getting targeted downfield. And Samaj Morgan probably has more downfield targets to a 5'6 guy than anyone else in the fr- history of freshmen. And <laughs> he's not 5'6. I mean, yeah. he, had, he had the downfield catch today. He had the one from Denegal in garbage time before. He had the touchdown on a back shoulder. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. So he, he had a couple last week that were targets downfield, and one was an excellent catch where he broke a tackle and they got lit up by a safety. Yeah. And then, well, I, I like to go back to, you know, where where was this guy as a, as a recruit? And he was behind... You know Donovan Edwards and Dylan Tatum at uh, at West Bloomfield, so it's not like he and they got a lot of opportunities to show what he could do, and he was committed to Michigan so early that there was no like, the, the the buzz should have been a lot higher on him coming out of high school. And when I looked at his tape, I was like, this guy's this guy's something. You you probably watched West Bloomfield a decent amount, and I went mm-hmm. and scouted them years ago and saw Morgan a couple times. They don't throw the ball a lot. No, they, bro- throw it, they throw it sideways. Right. And, and he like, was used a lot like that, but he just became like the – every time – there was just any time he motioned outside, like the entire team of Belleville would like run out there. <laughs> and then you could just run out the other side. That's, that's, I think that was actually the big touchdown that Donovan Edwards had was just like a fake throw for Donovan, and then he just runs out the be- other side. Because that was what they did with Donovan Edwards too, is when I went to see him a couple times, he – wasn't even the running back. Mm-hmm. He was sort of the, I don't know, they used to call him scat backs or... He's like Percy Harvin. Yeah. Spread H. So... Yeah, like, they were using Tatum as their running back. Well, he's going to be something, but let's concentrate more on guys who are going to be... Who are <laughs> more prominent down the stretch here. I mean, he's creeping into, what, wide receiver number four? Clearly, yeah. Yeah. Which is an interesting but, spot for a. I mean, now you. It's kind of like, in some senses, wide receiver number six because you Edwards, have two tight ends that, love and love. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many. Other well, one ones. thing that kind of irritated me about this game when Michigan was scuffling in the second and third quarters is like, just go do the Donovan Edwards thing again. Right. Like they motion him out, and there's a linebacker who's just like, "Oh God!" I oh mean, God, the whole oh stadium goes, "Oh my God, that guy's wearing 47. Uh, He's dead." Don't you remember <laughs> watching Mike McRae? Yes. Follow these guys out, and you're like, "No, don't cover just, Dalvin it was Cook." Just one, it was yeah, it was Dalvin Cook and Saquon uh-huh. Barkley, and you're just like, and it's like we're on the other end of it this time. Yeah. <laughs> we have but the guy. They, they didn't. They didn't do it. And, and like, that's, like well, that's, so they put a safety on him after that, but that that put, doesn't matter. But that put a linebacker on the tight ends, and that's why they had open tight ends afterwards. Well, I mean, it kind of feels like they weren't splitting him out. Yeah, and that felt like a missed opportunity because I don't that, think there's any way for Purdue to cover Donovan Edwards without taking all their linebackers <laughs> off. I mean, the this right. is, this is the hope for the next two of the next three weeks is when we face the defenses that you say are really really good. It's like this is. The stuff they haven't been showing. Well, right? Penn State has the linebackers to play. Penn State can actually play with him. <laughs> they have guys that could check Donovan Edwards. They have like they had several guys on the freaks list in, in their back seven. Okay, uh-huh. some of them are linebackers. Well, I mean, Michigan, if, if, Michigan can if, find w- creative if, ways to get him the ball. If anyone can, it's Penn State. Yeah, and so, Ohio State has the one guy too. What's his name? Sonny Styles. Yeah, I, I mean, but Sonny Styles isn't going to be checking. Yeah, Donovan he's, Edwards. He's gonna it's going to get Loveland. It's going to have to be like Eichenberg or. Steel, Steel chambers. chambers. Okay. And so, like, <laughs> I have been, I have, been, I have been craving like an angle route to Edwards the whole year. Yeah. And, and like, 
they used to run this little screen where they would just pop the center out. Uh-huh. And everybody else would just run a pass play, and it was really effective. Um, and, God, if you can get Donovan Edwards in that kind of space, it's like game over, man. And that's the thing is, like, you know, we spend we spent so many games earlier in the season, and there was clearly a couple of drives last night where we were like, let's all get Donovan Edwards a touchdown. And, like, okay, I get it. I, I want him to be happy. He seems like a very nice fellow. But, like, this is the way that you can do that. I Yeah, I kind of feel like Michigan – Wants Donovan Edwards to be a between-the-tackles runner. Blake Corum, number two. And I don't think you can completely remove that from his game because you need to have that as a threat to make the rest of his game as effective as possible. You can give him a few carries. But I do feel like, you know, he's not being utilized in the way I would want him to be utilized, especially now that Mullings is back and Mullings looks, like, pretty good. Yeah. Although Mullings was wearing a cast on one hand. A very small cast. It was a cast. I was out on the field before the game and, like, got to see it very up close. And, like, it was not the kind of thing you can hold the ball with. Well, he he, he didn't need to. It was his yeah. left hand, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. don't run down the left side of the field. Yeah, right? but so they <laughs> always runs right. They're running this play that both that has annoyed both you and I now in, the, in UFR called split flow, where it, it looks kind of like their arc read, but, like, the – the guy that the, the and this time they're putting Edwards out as like into the flat, so it's like a there's a read where you can have a dive where the running back goes straight down. If he pulls it, then he can throw it out to the flat. It's that that RPO, yeah, the, the yeah. triple option, quote unquote. Right, right, and um, and teams are sitting on it. But if you could run the angle route out of that, they're sitting on it. So they're flying out into the into the flat every single time yeah. on that play. Like, you run an angle on that, there's nobody until a safety. Well, and that's one thing that I want Donovan – one reason I want Donovan Edwards to run routes is because when you are given a route, you have to change direction. Yeah. And Donovan Edwards is going to change direction better than anyone who's on him. And when he's running the ball, sometimes he doesn't change direction. Right. And that drives me <laughs> crazy. <laughs> it drives me crazy because I'm like, you are in space against hell. Cal Halliday, change direction. <laughs> if he gets you, give him a sticker. Yeah. Gold star. <laughs> but he just kind of keeps running to the sideline. I'm like, no. What it feels like with him when you watch him sometimes is that the, the touchdown thing I think is getting him because it, it feels like he's trying to score a touchdown every play. I mean, I – Like he's trying uh, to hit a home run a lot of times. And there were a couple of plays I thought yesterday that he had chances to get smaller chunks of yards, but wanted to swing big. He doesn't have the vision. There might have been one where he had like a window to cut back because it was going to be a tackle that he could have kind of run behind. He doesn't – he's never had that kind of vision to like just I see that forming. I don't, I don't even know if there. it's vision. It's just the instinct that, you know, Ben Hall comes on the field, and it's clear that Ben Hall decelerates, mm-hmm. picks a spot, and bursts. And – that's always been something that Donovan Edwards can do but does not do consistently. I just think it's, you know, instincts. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I'm hoping that for the stretch run here, this two-back package that we've seen sporadically all year comes comes back in a big way. And that – remember when J.J. McCarthy was a freshman and they were playing Ohio State and they have just a package for him? Uh-huh. And it all works. Like it's the diamond backfield package and there's like runs off it and J.J. has a keep right. and then he has a throw. And it's just baffling, and they hadn't put any of that on film the whole year. And they've put some of this two-back stuff on film, but I just feel like there's so much there that you can explore. And I'm hoping they've been 
keeping it under the hat because it's the one thing that really wrecks their own defense. I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. The only thing that I would counter that with is then who do you take off the field? Well, I'm not saying that it's going to be the whole game plan, but I'm thinking 20 snaps. But even then, I mean, I guess you'd say Barner. It's just that then you don't really have like a real blocking in line tight end. Well, you can you can put Barner and, and Loveland out wide. And but then, what I'm saying is... You is can take Cornelius Johnson off the take, field. Or okay. you can take and put Loveland off the field. The, yeah. I mean, okay. <clears throat> I think that there's a lot of different ways to get at it. And one thing that we haven't seen is tight ends out wide trying to block on screens because like that's a that's a dilemma. Yeah. Like if you have if you have Donovan Edwards running behind Colston Loveland and you're like, what should I do? <laughs> and you get it wrong. That's six points. That might be in AJ Barner's scholarship contract that he does not have to block on those plays anymore. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> if, if I see one Walt Bell block, I'm out of here. Uh, <laughs> so we should probably address the fact that they didn't run the ball very well. We've kind of touched on it. Uh huh repeatedly is that they're plus one in the box the whole game. Michigan is clearly experimenting with some stuff that is new. They're going up against a defense that is unusual. Yeah. So they make some mistakes and then they just don't have any JJ stuff and it's open the whole game. Yeah. Like I'm watching this first half and I'm just like, all right, that's 15 for JJ. That's 15 for JJ. That's 15 for JJ. Yeah, they're they're running those cuz they have five guys on the line, which means both edges or outside linebackers or ends or whatever you want to call them are crashing inside every single time. Yeah. There is no edge until you get to like a linebacker who's got the running back to and, deal with. And the Morgan touchdown is plenty of evidence of that. So and it's the CJ thing too. So mm-hmm. I think if Michigan wanted to they could have cracked this run defense pretty easily just by taking that extra hat out of the box. I do. I was frustrated by the fourth and one because they've already converted on a Mullings dive. Mm-hmm. And they're going to run another Mullings dive. And who do they have blocking one of the best players on Purdue? Clemens. Clemens. Yeah. Well, but he isn't even the main culprit. Well, no, he is. He is well, because culprit. he's the, a culprit. But the, there's also a guy who gets, gets underneath inside. Barnhart. And but it's supposed to cut away from Barnhart anyway. The, you saw where the what, dive was is on what, the right. What I'm well, yeah. I don't necessarily think that's the case because you don't have time as Kalel Mullings to make a decision. You just got to go. Yeah. And so what I felt earlier in the year they were doing pretty well is after they run dive a couple times, like okay, here's Belly. And mm-hmm. that's what that should have been. Yeah. Because you have everybody crashing inside. The other thing you could have done is just, I don't know, flipped it to Clemens in the flat because there's not going to be anyone within a planet of him. Right. So they're a little bit too predictable about what they're doing well, with, the, so, with the dive stuff. And the weird thing about that is they go um, – they, they bring Barnhart from the right side to the left and they're uneven on the right side. Like A.J. Barner is the right tackle and then Clemens is the tight end. And my only I, – I saw what you were saying, Seth. The only thing I, I have with that is that the guy who beats Barnhart is the guy who gets in front of Mullings. And then the guy and then the guy who gets inside of Clemens is the guy who pulls him from the back. So I think even if you take away the guy who gets in front of him, the guy pulling Mullings from the back, he's still going to get the half yard of the yard. The yuck. guy who came inside of Clemens. I think it requires both of them to actually yeah. get a stop there. Yeah. Right. So if you get one of those blocks... I, I, so when you watch this for UFR, I, I'll be interested to know what you think. I think that Clemens um, has a hesitation at the beginning and misses his guy. Well, he's a wide receiver trying to go up against a 260-pound defensive end. Right, yeah. That's asking for it. Yeah. Yes. And, I mean, to me, I saw that tackle over, and I'm like, okay, this has got to 
go off tackle, mm-hmm. but they just run the dive again. So you have a very strong part of your offensive line. Yeah. With two tackles. And then you have a wide receiver and a tight end to the other side. It's like, why is this going up the middle? Right. There's no reason for it to So go is up that the just for we don't care? I mean, the other possibility is that Mullings screwed it up. Uh huh. Because if Mullings hops outside of Barner, it's an easy conversion. Yeah. Barnhart. Barnhart, sorry. Because they're both on opposite sides. They're, they're <laughs> next to each other all the time, and it's just really hard. It's like, yeah. it's just, they're so interchangeable. Bar- ah. I mean, Barnhart in high school used to go out and catch passes. So, so the other thing that we were going to look for in this game was how did the tackles do in pass protection? And Ladarius Henderson got a sack on his face once. The outside. That was the last sack, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And other than that, I thought he did pretty well. There was a there was a sack of McCarthy where he almost let the guy around, but the guy goes down, and I'm kind of like, I'm not sure because if because he McCarthy can't climb the pocket because the stunt has gotten mm-hmm. most of the way through, and you have uh, Trevor Keegan trying the Mike on Wayne block where he's trying to block two guys at the same time, which is very briefly possible, but not for but, yeah, long. it's not going to last for your pass protection. So. But I don't remember anything else where I was like, oh, Henderson got got. So there were there were three sacks on McCarthy, and I thought the first two were on him. That like The ball didn't get out very fast. Yeah, and, and he kind of steps into the pressure one time, and he sacks in the middle. The other one, he runs around at the end of the half and is brought down. There's and then That one doesn't matter. Okay. That was like a, that was an attempted Hail Mary. Yeah. But, Who cares? Which is going to be talked about in the third segment. But then the, um, then the last one where Henderson just gets beat around the outside, there, there's nothing he can do. So I kind of thought that, like yeah, like you said, like the pass protection um, maybe could have been better in that one instance. Well, but it, I, mean, I mean, Purdue's guys on well, defense are their defensive Well, Henderson ends, right? got beat. The guy who beat him is like a 280-pound end who bull rushed him. Well, these guys are both NFL ends. Yeah. Right. That's what I mean. So, so I don't think that the level of competition that Michigan is going to face in, against Penn State and Ohio State is a whole lot – they might be a little bit better, but they're not going to be wildly better. I was going to say, is these the best ends Michigan's face this year? Yes. <laughs> Instantaneous. <laughs> but, yes. And, but the, what I was getting at, though, is that Ohio State also has two bull-rushing NFL tight end or NFL defensive ends. I mean, I'm not that worried about it because, okay, you get a bull rush. I mean, if you have a counter move, you have a counter move. But we mm-hmm. really haven't seen a whole lot from either of those guys. And I think if you're going up against a guy who's – fairly one-dimensional, it's easier to anchor in. Yeah. And both of these Purdue guys are, are not that. Yeah. So <clears throat> I will take, you know, one minus two event from Henderson in a game against two NFL defensive ends. I think that's a positive outcome. Aside from that, I did think Michigan allowed Purdue to push the pocket a lot more than we usually see, which is not entirely surprising because they do have three. An extra guy, right? Yeah, yeah. So you're always in these one-on-one situations, and it's tougher to pick up stunts because you got to be exactly right instead of you have like a, a buffer guy so it felt like they were able to make jj mccarthy uncomfortable it also felt like they ran a lot more zone than they did against ohio state because alex mm-hmm. charted four zone snaps against ohio state and against when he was in illinois he ran a ton of man-to-man but he also ran 30 percent zone mm-hmm. which is like the lowest number number the lowest number in the country but also nowhere near what we saw in the most relevant game they've had played to date. It kind of makes me think that Ryan Walters is so mad at Michigan that he was just sandbagging the Ohio State game, and he actually saved his stuff for this one. I mean, he 
kind of did a flyby handshake of Harbaugh, and he kind of d- sort of doubled down on his comments after the game. So well, yeah, this, the, this is in the vibe section. I got I'm got new feelings on on Walter. <laughs> well, I don't care if he's mad at Harbaugh. Everybody's mad at Harbaugh, even people who work for him. Like whatever, <laughs> it's a natural human emotion. <laughs> mad at Harbaugh. Disagree, but okay. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, the I mean, Michigan picked the zones apart pretty much. Like every time they went, I don't zone, necessarily I that we think that's the case because what what happened frequently is that JJ would hold the ball and then he would his timer would go off, and because you're talking about five guys rushing the passer, that lane that he's used to great effect against Michigan State and other teams isn't there, mm-hmm. and so he's kind of stuck in the pocket. He's reset his feet, and I think that's a major reason for his relative lack of accuracy in this game. Okay. So do you think that Penn State and or Ohio State are looking at this and saying maybe our best shot is zone? Sort of like how is Michigan had zone? defense. Well, because, I mean, remember how Michigan gets lit up by Ohio State on the crossers, and then the next year they start to try to incorporate it in and add more um, like like zone play. It doesn't have to be their base, but like that's how they have to defend Ohio State. Is can Ohio State and or Penn State look at this and be like, look, we we can't do this. So we may not be quite as good at zone, but we have to do it at least an in a level to survive. Well, all teams run a ton of zone. Like Walters is at the very extreme end of zone. Most teams are majority zone these days, and I, even Penn State Ohio State. Yeah, Penn State Ohio State majority zone teams. Okay. Um, what you do see in this game that I think you know those two teams might try to replicate is the five-man rushes very consistently mm-hmm. because we got – I, w- I wouldn't quite call it the Clifford mush rush, but what we did get is we got a far smaller proportion of J.J. McCarthy plays that break outside the pocket and then you're dead. Yeah. So they were able to contain him and McCarthy was uncomfortable – once the timer goes off and he doesn't have anywhere to go. And I think they're going to work on that with him this week mm-hmm. because there were a number of instances where he starts moving his feet and he doesn't have to. Yeah. Yeah, we is talked it, about the Loveland pass already. Is that what sort of led to his mechanic breakdown sometimes? Yeah. I mean, uh, John Dewar had actually during the game was pointing <laughs> out like, that his his he wasn't uh, perpendicular to the line of scrimmage on a number of his throws. He was kind of spread out and more open. Yeah. And uh, as someone who – has been yelled at when they're playing, trying to play tennis for being way too open. I was like, oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Call that the high-hanging fruit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I do think that McCarthy is not a 30-year-old NFL veteran. And even though he's been absolutely lights out this year, there's still stuff he needs to work on. And what we saw in this game, where he completed two-thirds of his passes for 335 yards, is that <laughs> he's got a, a little bit of a hole there, and they'll work to fix it. I don't know. You got me convinced. I, I think he needs another year. Me too. Yep. And we might just get it because he's a weird guy. And NIL. Let's take a break. Come back. Talk about the defense. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. 
Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president of Peak Wealth Management, your MGO financial coach, and it is our goal to help you retire with peak confidence. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Bo says the team, the team, the team. Lately, my mantra has been the plan, the plan, the plan. Check out the Trust the Plan podcast. Search out my name, Nick Hopwood, on any platform and give us a follow. You know, we haven't updated this ad in over two years because since the last versions went live, we only had one Big Ten loss. And honestly, I'm a little superstitious. But for this ad, I just want to give a shout out to all the loyal Wolverines and MGO blog fans who've reached out to us from as far as France, Japan, Seattle, San Francisco, Dallas, Florida, New York, and of course, all over the great state of Michigan. And you guessed it, we're pulling recruits out of Ohio as well, just like Harbaugh. Thank you very much. So no matter where life is taking you after your time in Ann Arbor, we're here to help you build a plan you can trust. If you're looking for a second opinion, visit us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog today. Winewood Organics is Ann Arbor's only cannabis microbusiness for adults 21 and older. They're a grower, processing lab, and dispensary rolled into one, cultivating and producing flour, old-school hash, edibles, CBD products, and more. You can find them across the street from Kroger on South Maple, just west of downtown, and at winewoodorganics.com. Veterans and MedCard holders save 10% on all orders, and first-time customers save 25%, as long as you're not wearing scarlet and gray. state noon next week watch party at venue you can have delicious food and authentically themed cocktails i don't know what that means but come to venue because they will know what that means and they will give you delicious things to eat and drink so the defense all right now the third segment well i do think that it was encouraging that 
I was a little frustrated that Hudson Card wasn't getting sacked, but then you go and look at the game, and it's like, yeah, he wasn't getting sacked, but he was getting pressure on almost literally every drop back. Yes. He also couldn't complete a pass. Because he was getting pressure on almost every drop back. So yeah, he had, he had to like jump in the air to get his pass off because there was somebody in his face and somebody about to claw his head off from behind. I mean, like, Harold got a lot of pressure, and McGregor got some pressure, and he did... DTs pushed him. I mean, yeah. it wasn't like one guy, but and they, like you said, they didn't get sacks, but like it wasn't like they had a successful passing game. No, and we were talking before the game about how one interesting thing, the backup tackles are not good. So the fact that Michigan's defensive ends were having a day isn't really all that impressive. I mean, it, it was impressive, but it's not indicative of something that's going to repeat against Ohio State. But the interior offensive line was very good at pass protection, and Card was getting absolutely trucked up the middle repeatedly. So I think that is a very good sign. Yeah. I mean, their best play was actually when uh, they have they catch Michael Barrett on a dog green, and they're actually, I, th- I think it was a called run, where they had, like, the center and guard doubling the, the nose the, tackle. the quarterback draw. The quarterback draw, yeah. 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 But it looked so much like a pass. And, like, Michigan... Buy, and Barrett buys it in 100%. Like, normally you're coming in a little slower and checking, but it's just like we've been getting pressure so often in this game. He's just like, oh, here we go. Yeah, and that wasn't quite their best play. Their best play was when DJ Waller's controller disconnected. Right. Also, <laughs> in I the mean, second quarter. We don't need to talk about this if you don't want to, but DJ Waller's playing in a 17-0 to game with 12 minutes left in the second quarter. Well, Walker was out there at the same, uh, on the same drive. Uh, also a point to what I'm saying. And we saw McBurrows, I think, in the third quarter when it was 20-6, mm-hmm. to six, when they were flipping. He was Samer playing still. a lot more than that. He was, he was like, rotating with Samer still a little bit. Michigan when, don't care. They just play 40 guys on defense. It doesn't matter who they play, apparently. Well, and so we're finally in the Penn State game, but I'm going to be really interested to see, like, Who's actually rotating? Who are their starters? I mean... <laughs> and by starters, I don't mean the first people on the field. I mean the people who get the most snaps. So the defensive tackles are going to rotate. I wonder if we're going to see a reduction of snaps for Good and Benny. Because so. they seem like a step behind the other three. I mean, mm-hmm. you have Chris Jenkins and Mason Graham. Don't take them off the field. Especially because those guys are both like Iron Man types. The, d- the defensive ends are definitely going to rotate. They think those guys are all interchangeable. Will Hausman play? Probably, I think. Will DJ Waller play? No. <laughs> Will the backup safeties play? I'm gonna know on that too, but I'm not entirely I don't convinced. Think, I think they will. You think they will? I, I mean, at some point, yes. So I, one I, just, thing, I think Sab's probably a little ahead of Quentin Johnson at this point. I, I mean, Quentin Johnson was fine yesterday. I I really don't. Except on punk it's, coverage. it's just so <laughs> hard to tell because it's like how much stuff actually gets to the safety. And in this game, we actually had a number of things that got to the safety. And one thing we did see is we saw a vintage Rod Moore PBU. Yeah. We did, yes. And we also and saw, we saw another one. <laughs> oh, yeah, he broke up, <laughs> broke Will, up Johnson's Will Johnson's second interception. interception. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. Johnson's looking at him the way Blake Corum was looking at Ladarius Henderson yeah. earlier in the game. Be like, bro, <laughs> what are you doing to me? Well, what are you going to do? And then Johnson had an interception on a, a pass that was errant because of pressure. Because of Jalen Harrell. But I don't know if that was going to be intercepted, even if it was accurate, because he was dominating that route. So yep. we have not had a whole lot of evidence to suggest that those two guys were where they were last year in the Ohio State game. Because they were injured. They had a couple of hiccups. They've been rotating. This game, it felt like they went up against a lot of passes. Johnson was rarely targeted. When he was targeted, he was dominating the route. And then Rod Moore turned in some plays instead of just being a boring safety. So 
as we go into the Penn State game, I think that's an encouraging thing. You want both of those guys who we thought were total stars mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season to actually perform like it. We have a couple of hints that that is going to be the case down the stretch. And I wouldn't say it's a slam dunk, but I feel better about it now that they've flashed some of their old 2022 ways. I mean, then they were the first guys on the field, like the first series on defense. Yeah. They played all five of their quote-unquote starters. So yeah. It's just Rod Moore, his... Uh, progression this year has been a little rocky just because he comes in so he, he misses the first half of the season and then it's like okay he's a second late on a couple passes like and then he's like first action is blowing that tackle against Rutgers basically mm-hmm. well and I mean he doesn't play every down well but that's the thing. There's been so few times I've been able to chart him every single week. It's like okay we've had two events for Rod Moore right like. Going into these games like Rod Moore and Keon Seb were the worst graded players on Michigan's defense because. They're just at the PFF. You've had no snaps level. Mm-hmm. Even though they have snaps, so, there's so few that are actually gradable because of the rest of this defense and the teams that Michigan has played. So it still feels like, I don't want to, uncertain doesn't seem like the word, it's, but it's unknowing. I, I, I mean, you have, you both, have data from last year. You have data from last year, and it doesn't seem likely that they would regress unless they were hurt, and it doesn't seem like they're hurt. It seems like they should be back to full go. Now that the season starts nine weeks in. It's just interesting that we had this podcast. Was it after, well, it was the game before Michigan State, so uh, Indiana, I think. And you were like, all right, now it feels like Michigan is going to take the season seriously on defense. And they're going to start playing <laughs> these guys and all that stuff. And, and then, like, DJ Waller and Maureen Walker playing in the second quarter against Purdue. And, yeah, was that game over? Was Purdue scoring 21 points? Probably not. But... It was still just a three-score game, and yeah. you have a slip, and you have a fumble, and all of a sudden now you're kind of in a fight. I mean, that was sort of the Illinois game. Michigan comes out and kind of takes control of that one early last year, and then things kind of go sideways, and we run out of running backs and all that stuff. So you don't really know what's going to happen 20 minutes into a game, but Michigan don't care. No, they don't. And the rotation has been, I think, really good for next year's team because – Guys stepping into this starting lineup are going to be like, yeah, I had 100 snaps last year, and they weren't in garbage time. And you know, I feel confident that we're going to. Also, they have a lot of them. I mean, there's a lot of people that are going to be competing for outside and slot corner. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's possible even Rod Moore has not played enough. We'll see what happens at the end of the season. But like, he's not on NFL radars as much as he, he was. Like a second rounder. The beginning I mean, of last year. All he has to do is show up against Ohio State like he showed up last year. Yeah. And <laughs> we're yeah. hoping and thinking that there are multiple games after That's Ohio true. State. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, so we'll see. But, like, it's really hard to gauge anybody right now in the secondary because nothing gets to the secondary. At most, the linebackers get involved. Well, Card has some talent. And I he's like a – he's got a couple more years at Purdue, right? Uh, he wasn't at Texas that long. So, yeah. you know, I think this game was actually kind of useful because Card was at least trying to get it downfield. And and he's like, he's not just an auto sack in the in the pocket. Like, he's got some mobility. He's, he, I mean, remember he spun Michael Barrett in a circle yeah. on the one play. So, I mean, he does have some athleticism. He just is not super accurate. But what I'm saying is like when you go up against a team like Indiana or Bowling Green or whatever, they're just throwing screens around the line of scrimmage and then the occasional fade. Sure. And this game, we actually saw Michigan's coverage downfield because Card was not completing passes downfield, <laughs> but he was attempting them. <laughs> and I How far we've come. And I felt like when that was the case, Michigan was more often than not in excellent position. So even though 
You know, you're talking about a two and six team, et cetera, et cetera. We're trying to draw what we can for the last few weeks of the season. And I think that's another data point that mm-hmm. you can take from this game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was an air raid offense, too. So, like, they were that they had to complete those passes just to make things happen. Like, that, that, that's how Purdue's offense runs. And, like, they, they had one run to like successfully yeah. at the beginning of the game. Well, they they had a couple outside zone runs that were successful, and then Michigan started blitzing. Saying we're still into it, right? So they've clearly uh, come up with a plan because they feel like maybe that's a weakness. And on the first one, it was definitely Jenkins just getting too far upfield, like uh-huh. like early Mo Hurst. So yeah. you have those penetrating defensive tackles. That's going to be a potential weakness, and I feel like they got to either kind of neutralize their defensive tackles in case that happens, which I don't think they want to do. What I do think they want to do is they want to schematically defeat it so that when you're not running zone, you know, Mason Graham gets to eat your lunch. Right. And it's a, it's a concern only because that's Ohio State's run. Well, yeah, but it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> like every, every, like... Have they been better with Henderson? Yes. Well... Henderson, uh, he looked really good against Rutgers. He, yeah, I mean, I still... I mean, every Ohio State blogger who actually knows ball loathes the fact that they run stretch into the boundary so often. Yeah. So, which is like Ross Fulton and two other guys. But, Kyle Jones. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I feel like that's going to be something that they're going to try. And Michigan, you know, like the weakest they've looked on defense is trying to f- d- defend outside zone. So they're going to have to have a plan for that because Ohio State is not a good running offense. But it's- Michigan is going to be playing in the parking lot against them like they should. And there's going to be some opportunities there for them. Yeah. I, I, like I said, that's the one thing I've been kind of watching all season. And it's all about how your linebackers react. I thought that Colson took another step in this game. where In the right direction? Yes. <laughs> in the right direction. There was probably one play uh, where, where I think he might have gotten got. It was like near the end of the game. Um, but there was another time, too, where it was Barrett. And like I... I remember watching, you know, and then we get to see it in the scoreboard. I'm like, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't Colson. Hooray! Because <laughs> like, Barrett's not going to make that mistake very often. He just kind of went to the wrong side of a block. And Colson, I mean, I'm watching that very carefully right now because it was like it's been a thing for a while that like Colson just maybe he just doesn't have the instincts. Can you imagine being Josh Wallace right now? <laughs> what do you mean? Like last year it was at UMass. Yeah, and now he's like, all right, we're going to play Penn State, <laughs> and then. Hopefully in two weeks we're going to play Ohio State for the Big Ten Championship effectively. And I'm like, there's a lot of people here. <laughs> Where did you all come from? I, like, I mean, but that's, that's why I came here, right? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is what he's here for, is like these games. And he's maintained that starting job the whole year with really no hiccups. He looked good last night. He had a PBU. He it's held the thick, edge on, a, yeah. on an outside mm-hmm. run. And I mean, yeah, I don't know that he's going to be elite to single up on Nick Buka or something, but... Well, I think what Michigan might do is they might just stick Will Johnson on the boundary side against whoever they put out there when it's, you know, usually you'll see three by one. Mm-hmm. And whoever the one is, they'll just stick Johnson out there. Just then, single him. And then protect everybody else over the top. And if you beat Will Johnson over the top for a touchdown, okay. Yeah. I mean, they did that last year with Jamon Green. And they got beat once. Once. Yeah. Well, that's but, when they, they had the inane safety blitz yeah. from 20 yards deep. But, I mean, going into – and we're skipping the Penn State game, but going into the Ohio State game, wouldn't you just sign up for like, oh, you beat us once over the top, done. Okay, that's well, it. Well, I just remember in the last game, they the first thing that they tried to do is they saw Marvin Harrison singled up on Will Johnson, 
they went after him on a fade. Will Johnson blew it up, and then he didn't get targeted. He got targeted one more time in that game. Will Johnson did. Will Johnson. Yeah. Did. He gave up a he gave up like a 15 yard completion to Fleming, but that was the only other time they targeted him. Yeah, most of their passing game that was uh, was like a buka over the middle, like he get matched on Samerstill or something. And I mean, do you remember those those two or three years? Uh, two years when. Like they didn't even throw at Michigan's corners, like sixteen and seventeen, when everything was to the backs and and to the to tight ends. And well, stuff. that was like a Braxton Miller joint, or well, it was JT Barrett. JT Barrett, was yeah, and, same, and it was an Urban guy. Meyer offense that, like, you know, throwing was kind of disgusting. <laughs> right, and then you bring in Rod, uh, Don Brown, and it's like, oh yeah, this is a great defense to go up against Ohio State, and then all of a sudden they have an endless parade of NFL quarterbacks, which is not a good thing when you go against a Don Brown defense. Yeah. Um, when Don Brown defense. Anyway. Yes. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we know what you're saying. Yeah. Well, we right. saw an NFL quarterback against a Don Brown defense this week. Yeah. Ooh, anything else? No. Squinting. I mean, the, the the ends were obviously beating up on guys, but even when they stunted, they are just, they're on a much higher level than I gave them credit for at the beginning of the year. All four of them. The, yeah. All, all the ends. All of our So ends. my question now is, I thought McGregor played really well again, and, you know, maybe that's mitigated by the fact that who he was going against for sure. If he comes back next year, how close to Hutchinson is he? Not close. Okay. Yeah. So, there, so, there's, so there's a, there is a, a massive gap. Yes. So he, he can still be an all-big-time player. Is, he, is it likely that he's gone then? Is he has more or less reached his ceiling? Uh, I don't think he's going to be in a position where he's going to be drafted so high that passing up the one more year NIL is going to be a good idea for him. Okay. Yeah. The only the only problem he would have is that Derek Moore might pass him because he's going to be a true junior next year and blow up. Well, I mean, Harold's going to be gone. Yeah. And you, you're still going to be rotating. There's going to be plenty of snaps for him. They sure. can, can they play McGregor and Moore yeah. together? Yeah. yeah, they can. Okay, yeah. so then. Totally. They're, I mean, all – all four of them are pretty much interchangeable at this point. Josiah like, Stewart's gained a bunch of weight. Like, if you, he actually played well too. Yeah, he did. But so if, against the run, if you're worried about like, okay, we got to replace Jalen Harrell's stuff, McGregor is a great option. Yeah, because you can't try to read him on his own read because he plays both sides of it beautifully. He drops into coverage really well. He's the one defensive end who I think he's like a plus plus player when you're dropping him. So all that kind of like Jack stuff, like the weak side end that every. But he has a different name for it because we got to be special. Like he does that stuff, even though he's six foot six to sixty. You can play him there, and I think he'll be good. Hmm. So let's take a break, come back, and talk about miscellaneous stuff. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, certified financial planner, founder, and president at Peak Wealth Management. Check us out at peakwm.com/mgoblog. When you're watching the game, everyone knows what the score is, but you might be at halftime of your career. Do you know what the score is? Are you winning, or do you need to play catch up? If you're behind in the second half of your career financially, we may need to run a hurry-up offense like John Navarre in the 2003 game at Minnesota, or run a three-quarter court press after a made free throw like Coach Howard likes to call. My team of CFPs at Peak Wealth Management are here to help you understand what the score is and what you need to do to win. Your spreadsheet doesn't tell you the score like we can. If you're going to spend all your free time watching replays of the 2021-2022 Ohio State games on repeat, you need to outsource your financial planning and investing with us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. At Peak, our goal is to help you retire with peak confidence. 
The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high-quality and low-latency communication functionality, for video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs, original geeks of programmable communication. Hi, I'm Pete Cavarilla, owner of Sharon's Heating and Air Conditioning. We've been servicing Ann Arbor and Metro Detroit for over 40 years, and we know that the last thing you want to worry about is your heating and cooling system breaking down. Right now is a good time to sign up for our preventative maintenance plan, so you don't have to worry about it in November when the fourth quarters get interesting. Our maintenance members also get discounts and service calls, and you can rest assured our team plays tough in sun or snow and have never been called soft by Lou Holtz. Whether you need a tune-up, are ready for a new system, or want to upgrade your air quality before winter, call us anytime or schedule an appointment on our website at sharonsheating.com. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. Kind of hot. Dave, give me your hottest take. The 
only holding call more obvious than Blake Corum's was Karan Higdon's in the 2018 Northwestern. <laughs> <Western. laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, they had a nice little conversation about it, like, you're going to look stupid if you call this. And he's like, <laughs> it, it was a makeup for the non roughing the punter. I mean, the, the thing yeah. is, they had a, they had like a 30-second conversation about it. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, fine, Marv. You just want to call a penalty. I know there haven't been any. <laughs> isn't, wasn't it like a an actual face mask or helmet yeah, they, mask? That's on, what I uh, thought they were talking about. I thought they were actually talking about whether it was a face mask because he pulls Corm's crown with it. And I thought the conversation was like, do we really need to call another penalty on, Pen- on Purdue? We just called 30 yards on them in one play. <laughs> right. We got to give some of this back. Yeah, <laughs> was... and then they get stuck in third and twenty-seven, and they convert. No, second and twenty-seven, and convert anyway because whatever. <laughs> on two long passes. Yeah, on, J- on JJ's worst day. <laughs> Seth, give me your hottest take. I want to go back in time and apologize to Jim Tressel. What? Wait, why? <laughs> what? <laughs> because. Be- because he's still what, he's still alive. He still you could do it now. No, no, no. But but if I did it no. back then, then Ohio State would not get into this state in this state where they think everybody's out to get them, what? and that like yeah. the media is just there to like destroy people, not to like okay. report the truth. I gotta <laughs> all right. So there's this popular uh, thought thought about the Jim Tressel stuff is that it was all like nonsense. It wasn't all nonsense. But it was like, oh, it's like tattoos. Who, who cares about any of this stuff? What happened was Jim Tressel directly lied to the NCAA in four separate instances so that half of his team was not ineligible for a full season. And you can debate whether those rules are proper rules to have. Uh-huh. You know, These days, that wouldn't be a violation. It would just be NIL stuff. Fine. Right. But when Jim Tressel was doing this, he was lying so that Terrell Pryor wouldn't be suspended for the season. Yes. So. True. That is like a firing offense. And it is still a firing offense. Yes, and it, it was. was ridiculous that Ohio State fans are saying anything. But else. they kept doing everything that they were doing before anyway, so nothing changed. So nothing changed except Ohio State became this paranoid bunch of a holes who are now in, in, Come on. using investigators. Come on, if Bob, and PR firms. Bob Ufer is spinning in his grave right now where you're saying they became a bunch of paranoid animals. Do you know who Woody Hayes was? I'm saying we got worse. Yes. Well, even Woody Hayes was not like. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Everything you could possibly say about anybody was true about Woody Hayes. No, you guys. Woody Hayes. Woody Hayes had had two balls, and Ryan Day has. (sighs) Right. Right. All right. That's I'm progressively more whiny because of this. This is a good hot take because it has infuriated (laughs) me. (laughs) There we go. But we have to start. (laughs) (laughs) Randy, give me your hottest take in the airport. From the Spirit Airlines Terminal, <laughs> J.J. McCarthy should only throw the ball to Roman Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he had, he had a drop in this game. I mean, he had one drop, but I'll take one drop, and the rest were all like, I was like, how are we going to pull this out? How are we going to pull this out? Where's Roman? There he is. We're good. Well, yeah. That's literally what it was, and, and he was the guy. Randy, the it's whole stadium amazing. would have killed you if he you put Edwards on number forty seven and he doesn't. Throw it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Jason, That's give me your hottest take. When I check into hotels and I don't want to use my regular name, I'm going to call myself Connor Stallions. <laughs> 
not really a hot take. I'm just saying what I'm saying. Um, no, here's my hot take for the game. Khalil Mullings deserves 15 carries a game. Wow. Wow. That is, we have someone who is more enthusiastic about Khalil Mullings than I am. I didn't think it could be done. How, how many game? How many carries would you say per game? Ten? Six? Were you, six oh, eight? okay. I would have put you at like 11 or no, 10. No, I'm like, I mean, I, I know. This I've, year? I've seen like Blake Corum, like, yo, dog. I, but, <laughs> but you've been kind of like, eh, Blake Corum's not breaking the well, tackles that he's, he's making. he's not, but he's still, still Blake <laughs> oh, Corum. Like okay. that, that last touchdown where he's just like, see ya. No thanks. Yeah. Where he's like, you get the super kick from Shawn Michaels and you were like, no sale. Now, that was fun because it was right after they ran power and, I just, and everyone just yells to Purdue, hey, Ryan Walters, same play. <laughs> All right. Beautiful. Here yeah, that's what I think. I mean, I do think that there's – when I see him run, and obviously not on that fourth and one, but, like, when I see him even on early downs run, I'm like, that play could break. That uh, That's going to go for nine yards, ten yards, twelve yards. It's going to truck a dude. Yeah, we. I feel like we don't have that right now, and we need that. Well, and there was that one like three yard run where the refs call forward progress, and then they take six yards, well, three yards off the board. Yeah, from Michigan. And I was like, wow, right? You got you got to you got to know yeah, who you're like, dealing I, with. That's Khalil Mullings. That's not right. a three yard run. Yeah, I, he was probably this would be a super hot take. He was probably a good a better running back to use in this particular game because they were delivering a safety to the running back yeah. every play. That's not a bad idea. All right. Yeah. Here's mine. Michigan should hold up their play calls on big signs against Penn State. (laughs) And they should be accurate for two drives. (laughs) And make them think, like, is the are they are they are they screwing with us? And then in the second half, they just put up words that make no sense whatsoever. That are not football plays, but kind of sound like football plays, like ZZY Alpha Omaha. And people are going to be like, ah. Oh. I, I want their signs to be like references to Ryan Day, like a picture of third base. <laughs> not against Penn State. So uh, so the interesting thing that I went. Against Penn State, you got to hold up a board that's like a potato wearing some glasses. <laughs> so the. Well, that leads right into what I was going to say. Jake. Oh, okay. That took me a minute there. When there was all the buzz about (laughs) will Harbaugh be suspended for Purdue and then Penn State, I talked to you the other day and I was like, you know, how would you feel about, you know, Harbaugh being suspended for Penn State? And you were like, I'm not overly concerned. And then it got me thinking because I was like, well, how would I feel from the reverse if like if if James Franklin was suspended against Michigan? (laughs) I was like. Oh, that might actually be bad. Right. That, was, that was my hot take weeks ago, wasn't was it? it? Yeah, okay. like I think right after this, this stuff came out, I was like, you know, Penn State's assistant coaches should turn in their head coach for sign stealing. <laughs> well, great minds think alike, and also you guys. <laughs> ah, meow. <laughs> bad audio and bad jokes. <laughs> All right. If you can't get enough scars, hit up their website. They are touring constantly. And hit up the Nosebleeds, which is their reboot of Cheap Seats on UFC Fight Pass. I got a miscellaneous thing. How weird is it that there's an edition of Purdue football that comes up every five years where it's like, we have two NFL defensive ends and nothing else. (laughs) Why is this a mode of Purdue football? Well, they had what? Karloftis? They had Juwan Bentley? Ryan Kerrigan? Ryan Kerrigan. Wasn't he he a tackle? No. The Ninkovich kid played in the NFL? Who else? Ninkovich. Like, he was an NFL guy for like five years. He He was an end. 
Oh, at Michigan? At, at, at uh, Purdue. Oh, Purdue. Purdue. Yeah, he, okay. was, right he was an end at yeah. Purdue. Okay. And so, like, they just, it's just like every once in a while, it's like, yeah, Purdue sucks, but they got they got two guys who can really rush the passer. And, and Maybe don't you, pass rushers are engineers. Don't you oh, generally yeah. associate defense with Purdue? Def- they could. They're not DEU, but like, if it's okay to laugh. If Purdue is anything, they're they're DEU. They're not DEU, but in terms D-E-U. of like, they're, <laughs> they're good in space. Ugh. <laughs> That's a layer joke, Seth. All right, all right. So we we got we got a couple decisions to talk about. We're moving on from that as quickly. Stop it! You're so pleased with yourself, and you need to stop it. It was a pretty good joke. Don't encourage. Me. I'm trying to tell the truth. There's no those. There's. I'm not laughing at my own joke. I'm laughing at your reactions to my joke, okay. which is also yeah. a very funny thing. Yes. Well, explaining the joke will make our listeners very happy. They're going to be like, this is a funny podcast now that everybody's saying it's funny. They're like, Brian's a corn cob. We got- <laughs> God damn it, Dave. <laughs> Decisions. Yes. So Michigan's going for it on their own 35, fourth and one. I don't have a problem with it. I was happy. Yeah. Usually they're going to make that. Didn't like the formation. Well, yeah. that's. But the decision already, was fine. We've yeah. already discussed yeah. that. Go Lions. There was uh, one more decision I did not like. The Hail Mary. Okay, because it was going to be a sixty-yard field goal. Yeah, but you have time. But you have Doman. Oh, that's the point. Give him yeah. a go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the only reason why I would be against that is it was twenty-six, right? Is that correct? Okay. Yes. So something goes wrong, and you know, bad, bad, bad things happen, and it's twenty to thirteen. The kick six? No, I mean it could be blocked. It could be snapped. Over. I mean, there's there's things that can go wrong in that situation. Yeah. That in a hail mary, you're probably not giving up a touchdown. I mean, no offense to JJ, but like when he's running around outside, like a you know that was very fresh. Like JJ McCarthy. No, it was it was um, it was Purdue uh, Purdue Penn State last year. Yeah, where he like tries to do too much, floats the ball, gets lucky with it to Corum, then the next play hits the double helmet. He was trying to throw that out of bounds. Well, whatever. But he didn't get there. It was a catch. He was being tackled. Well, but he threw it while he's being tackled, and then you have the double helmet doink that ends up getting the pick six or whatever. That wasn't and, on him either. That was... Well, but my point is, is things can happen in those situations I when guess. you try to, like, do something... Things can always happen. Things can always happen. A 60-yard field goal attempt is most likely just going to be a missed field goal. Yeah, but... Probably. But if, if Tommy Doman makes it, like, how pumped are you? You're and, like, right. But it's... But I wasn't... <laughs> right. I wasn't nervous that the outcome of the game was right. hanging in the balance... I was wanting to see a 60-yard field goal by a guy who has a rocket leg. If we if we were up 38 to nothing at that point, I think they probably would have brought in Doman. I think that they were no. like I think they just they, they, they weren't in the, like, the let's I don't play think with it occurred phase to them. of the game. I don't think it occurred to them. I think they were like I don't think Maybe they, they could have just lined up and punted it right at Ryan Walters. <laughs> Doman needs to stand next to the in those situations when there's going to be a 60-yard field goal, he's going to be like, "Hey, hey, hey." hey. <laughs> <laughs> tap 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 tap. Hey. <laughs> All right. Stand in the old Connor Stallions. So that that was my opinion on on okay. that situation. Do you do you have a? Well, so there are a couple of special teams incidents. One the the fumble muff. Oh my god! Issue. Catch the punt. He can. He sees it and he backs up. Yeah. Just run up and catch it. And Jake Thaw is the the punt returner. I think for the rest of the game. Well, and to, rightly so. Craig Ross was right. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm on team. Don't, more. don't say that. <laughs> hey, if I'm saying it, then He's, you know. He said it, and it's on the podcast, and Craig is going to clip it and just play it. Right. It's yeah. just, that's going to be his ringtone if be, he can ever find his cell phone. The whole WTK so, hour is just him doing drops so, of that. So, I, okay, I've been on, and I think you would agree with me, you both, both would agree with me, that I've been on Team Morris for the most part of the year. Yeah. 
when he didn't run up and catch that punt, because he did catch earlier ones yeah. in the game, it's sort of like the penalty, right? When you commit a penalty, Michigan takes you out and they bring in a replacement just as a rule, it, it seems like. Maybe not as like an O-line guy, but as like, you know, right. a periphery guy. Don't so again, in that situation, point. it's like, Morris, you have to catch this punt. This is how this game gets away from us is when you do that. And he just needs to learn. I have to go catch the punt. And well, they bring in Thaw, and he does it. And well, so, the thing is, is he wasn't even doing the fires thing. Like, he, like Quentin Johnson had absolutely no idea what was happening because his punt returner wasn't telling him. And the punt is short. So where is Quentin Johnson even going to go? The only thing that's going to tell Quentin Johnson is his teammates starting screaming right at him. Yeah. Yeah. And it was and that was a mistake, and that's probably why Jake Thaw has been I – mean, this, is, this is not new news, right? This, yeah. That's why Jake Thaw has been a, you well, know – we also had Equal. Keon Sab absolutely annihilating Morris. It, you thought it was Keon Sab, and on replay, it was Freddie Moore. Oh, it was yeah. Freddie Moore? Because <laughs> I was rewatching it. I was like, oh, there comes Keon Sab. And I was like, wait a minute. That doesn't say Sab. And then yeah. Michigan has a rough, running into the kicker penalty that Purdue commits, which is one of the most ridiculous running. Because that guy got hit in the schwangle dangles. Uh-huh. That's well, got to be roughing. Yeah, he got punched. <clears throat> it was like. It wasn't even hit. Okay, like I you guess he gets hit at the side. I guess and then that's the not technically your plant leg, but it's close enough. <laughs> it's your plant something. It's like you can't, you can't do that. <laughs> well, you they wouldn't let, think so. They let Michigan get away with a running into earlier, where and they just didn't call anything. And then, no, and they did. that well, no, CJ hit him. Oh, I guess yeah, he hits, and, and he might have even hit his plant leg on. I grazed it. So I don't think he hit his plant leg at all. Like they, they replayed uh, it a few times. Was that the, was that fourth and less than five? It was about five. So it would have been either. It would, depends on the spot of the ball. If it's like five point two, he would have been short. If it's yeah. like four point eight, he would have had it. We haven't had an opportunity to see anyone kick a field goal for Michigan for oh, six weeks. So it was good to see that Turner hit a couple thirty yeah. yarders. I mean, you know, it's like. He's not Jake Moody, so you kind of want more data. He's had a successful career at Louisville, so it's not like he's going to be either of the Purdue kickers who unfairly made both of their attempts. In I know. Game. I know. What is that, man? They're, those were short field those, goals. But they were 3 of 10 on the season. Yeah. Where were they from? I, I don't know. You can't look this stuff up. It's really frustrating. There's not <laughs> Probably like a, not true. Well, no, I, like if if there's a website that's like field goals from here, 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 and Isn't here. Isn't that the – if you Google the stats, whatever it is um, – what, what's the, I, the page called? Sports Reference? Yeah. I, they I have that? Been, I think so. For oh, kickers. Yeah. I, I mean, I you have to dig, but yeah. I download it every year, and then it takes forever to kind of sort it through, and that's how I came up with that field goal stat for Turner. But the point with Turner is that he came in, and it was – they Smoothly they, kicked them through. Yeah. There was no – they felt like extra points. It was like, okay, yeah, no here problem. they come. Yep. No well, problem. and when we've seen him in the past, he's mostly attempted these long field goals. Yeah. Well, and, you know, he made a percentage of them. Um Craig got home last night and was like, Tommy Doman is already the best punter in NFL his- or in NFL <laughs> history, in Michigan history, and he should be off to the NFL. That should have been his hot take. He doesn't get to have hot takes. Okay. That would be because it's all of the things he says. Well, no, it'd just be like we we could not contain the hotness of the takes on one podcast. <laughs> Incinerates everyone. There'd be a Chernobyl kind of event. He did say that when we were watching football yesterday that Indiana was not that bad. They won. They beat Wisconsin. <laughs> we, got, we, we already have our next segment in the corner going, uh, um, Indiana! <laughs> uh, does anyone have any miscellaneous things? I guess Ryan Walter is a little frosty post game. 
and Harbaugh just uh, blew it off. He's like, oh, it felt like a normal post-game handshake. Well, there's one thing that was interesting is that Michigan kept their starters in until basically the end of this game. Well, which they, I mean, I the yeah. first drive of the fourth quarter, I was expected to see JJ out there, but the second one, I was well, like, do you know what that yeah. was? I think, I think it was that they haven't played a four quarter game this year. Well, that might be part of it. But and what else did they really try to do on that drive? Get Donovan Edwards a touchdown. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And if he just like doesn't angle out of bounds on the first drive of the game, we yeah, can check that box earlier. Um, the other thing that this is a little more in the decision making that you we kind of talk about is like Morgan returns the kickoff right before halftime. Oh, yeah. And Alex was kind of like, just save the six seconds, take your two timeouts, and start at the 25. If you're if you're actually, if the plan is actually to try to move the ball and score, if it's to be like, well, we're going to take a knee, then sure, let him return it. But if it's like, eh, we like the timeouts situation, we like the time, just take the time. I, I, I don't think that, I think the idea was it was a low kick, and it was a, you know, it was a low to short kick, and you can like, it got to him quickly. It gave I mean, him time. The, the yeah, chances that you actually get a amount of yardage that's worth the seconds that tick off the clock in that situation is very low. Yeah, I was actually surprised that they didn't just kneel it out. Well, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah. There's like the second quarter kind of goes a little choppy. You're getting the ball coming out. You're up two scores. Let's just go drive down the second half and end the game. But I mean, Alex is right. Is that if you have another six seconds and what was it, five or six yards? Where do you get out to? He was behind the twenty-five, so they actually like lost yardage on the play. So you got another another down, and you can probably pick up ten yards and give Turner a makeable field goal. So yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I was thinking in this game, like if I was Michigan, I would just like stop practicing kickoff returns at all because what I would do is I would not have Braden McGregor out there as an up back. Uh-huh. And the whole goal of our kickoff team is just to get the offense on the field without getting anyone hurt. <laughs> Fair because the chances, what like the chances that you actually get a return that makes wasting your practice time worthwhile, are what are, are those? I own one percent or something, right? Nowadays. So like, yeah. but it's Samaj Morgan, so it's probably four percent, maybe. And now he's graduating to dangerous offensive piece. Yeah, they got to get him on punt returns next year. I want to see that. Yeah. All right, we're gonna take a break. Come back and talk to Jamie. Here's a thing people say. Seth, tell me about your insurance. I'm actually glad you asked me about that because I just changed my insurance and I'm really happy I did. Let me guess. You use Phil Klein and Owen Rosen of the Phil Klein Insurance Group. They are MGO blog readers and they don't advertise during football games. And they've got a five-star rating on anything you would care to see. Call Owen at 248-682-7445 or visit them online at philkleininsurance.com. Maize and Blue Nation, it's Tom Brady. I co-founded Autograph with one mission in mind. Change the fan experience for the better. That's why I'm excited to announce the release of a new app that recognizes the biggest Michigan fans. The Autograph Fandom app gives you access to the best Michigan content, fan challenges, and exclusive rewards for diehard Wolverines. All for doing the things you already do, like listening to this podcast. Head over to the Apple App Store and search for Autograph Rewarding Fans and download today. It can be a rough ride along the information superhighway. That's why we build our e-commerce websites tough enough to handle the load. With the capacity to take hundreds of simultaneous online transactions and the stability of load-balanced, co-located server architectures, a website from Human Element performs in the roughest conditions. Thousands of products, 
No problem. We'll throw in the tools to manage it with precision and efficiency. All with a design slick enough to make you think your girlfriend might be impressed. So load it up and hit the gas and let Human Helm show you the way. Special offers available for returning licenses. Financing available with approved credit to qualified buyers. Client participation may affect savings. Optional equipment available at additional cost. See human-element.com for details. I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case, call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248-924-9458. Or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com. Hey, fellow Michigan fans, this is Matt Demarest, realtor and lender. For a decade now, you've heard me on the podcast talk about mortgages, and I've helped hundreds of fellow Michigan fans in that capacity, including Brian and Seth. But many of you don't know I'm a real estate broker as well. I promise to make buying, selling, or financing homes simple and cost-effective anywhere in the state of Michigan. Whether you're upsizing, downsizing, buying a vacation home, or building a real estate investment portfolio, send me a text or give me a call. It's never too early to make a plan, and the call is always free. My number is 734-882-8194. Again, 734-882-8194. Or you can find me online at realtorandlender.com. That's realtorandlender.com. Whether you want to buy, sell, or finance a home, or even all three, I promise to provide the experience so many of you have come to expect over the years. And as always, thank you, and go blue. NMLS 1011726, Equal Housing Lender. How are you doing, Jamie? I'm doing well, guys. You know, we've got the, some Penn State and Ohio State ground to cover. But before we get into that, I just want to mention, was yesterday the most Big Ten West day ever in the history God. of the Big Ten West? Four-way tie coming in. Three of the teams lose to teams that probably won't be going to a bowl game. And two of the teams had not defeated a Power Five team until yesterday. And, and yet, it doesn't, you know, maybe Iowa looks inevitable, but... I think we're going to have at least one more Big Ten West day like that before the season's out. Yeah. So, Can we relegate the Big Ten West to the MAC next year and then just have a normal conference? Why don't we trade some of the Big Ten West to Oregon State and Washington State, and then we'll just you know collect their four teams and maybe just here's, have a smaller league. Here's the thing. As soon as all these teams enter the Big Ten, they're just going to turn into more Big Ten West teams. Look what we did in Nebraska. No, yeah. there's no – you can't. No. Are, was the big the Big Ten schedule came out recently? Are they were they smart enough to make USC and Iowa play next year? Because I feel like that is <laughs> that is if we don't see that in like some Holiday Bowl this December, we need to see that it's, right off uh, next it's year. Still the worst Rose Bowl of all time, by the way. <laughs> all right, let's actually talk about some football. Let's do it. Penn State fifty one, Maryland fifteen. 
Not as lopsided statistically as the final score implies because Maryland turns the ball over four times, which is slightly fewer than they actually run the ball. (laughs) Maryland running backs have a total of eight attempts in this game that gain a total of negative two yards. That is a rushing Rutger if Penn State had scored zero points and sacks were not included. (laughs) For the game, Maryland rushes for negative 49 rushing yards. Narrowly missing the ultra Rutger, where you have more negative yards than they have points. Yeah. This was the ultra Rutger. They were a hundred rushing yards away from avoiding a rushing Rutger. That's quite something. The Penn State offense kind of gets off the schneid. Drew Aller, 25 of 34 for 240 yards. Uh, Katron Allen, 14 rushes for 91 yards. Singleton, 8 for 20. So uh, the ground game improved, but you know it's September Maryland has, has gone away once again. <laughs> and October Maryland has now passed as well. And now yeah. we're, we've got November Maryland. <laughs> and, and they are November Marylanding. You mentioned the turnovers. Yeah, well, worth, worth noting that they're coming off a loss to Northwestern. So. Oof, not good. You mentioned the rushing stats. How about a few more advanced stat rushing stats? Uh, 0%. Rushing success rate? Okay. Didn't think that was a possibility, but you can do that. Um, minus 6.4 total offensive line yards, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, how, 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 did, how does that happen? I, you know, that, that, and then I've got one more. Oh, minus 1.01 EPA per rush. So every time they did a designed run, they lost a point, basically. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was that was pretty bad. And and you know, let's just get the Maryland stuff out of the way before we get to Penn State. But yeah, October Maryland, November Maryland, talk about rearing its ugly head. This was supposed to be um, you know, a year to celebrate. Nine wins, maybe get to ten with a bowl win or an upset over one of the big three. Instead, four losses in a row. It's become a disaster. Maryland has become a get right team. And just hear me out. Ohio State, that second half, that's the best the Buckeyes have looked all year. Um, Illinois Luke Altmeyer had one of his best games, also one of the best games protecting the quarterback. Northwestern last week, pick a stat, name a stat. They shattered their season averages. And then Penn State yesterday, you know, they weren't horrible coming in, but they had two really back-to-back stinkers on the offensive end, and everything kind of looked okay yesterday for them. Yeah. Turns out hiring Josh Gaddis is not good for your ground game. Yeah, if we put Shea Patterson and Leah in a room together and just said, Josh Gaddis, go, would that be an interesting (laughs) conversation or what? Maybe. Uh, can we talk about the utter Marylandness? Like, like, I I have a a Maryland friend who was really having a rough time at the end of this game. (laughs) Uh, Because there's a – I mean, there's a sequence where I think they have a they have a turnover. Their defense holds and forces Penn State to kick a field goal, mm-hmm. and then they immediately turn over on the next play yeah. and it's just, and then give up a ridiculous, stupid touchdown. And it's just like, man, like why yeah. do we, why do you do this to me? Their their start was atrocious. Their first drive of the game, they had a fourth and one, and they did a wide receiver screen that lost yards. Uh, their second drive was one of the fumbles. Yeah. And then the third drive, they had a third and one, and they handed it off to Antoine Littleton, who lost three yards. That was his one and only carry of the game. And then on their fourth drive was, I think, classic 2023 Maryland. First down sack, then a couple completions, moved the chains, then another first down sack, then a 28-yard chunk play to Prather, and then a TFL on a design run by Leah, and then a third down sack, and then a punt. Those are their first four drives. I mean, I know the game... Kind of got close in the middle area, but I mean, after that, I was like, I was like, down for the count, Terps. You are down for the count. 
I mean, the closest it got was 31-15. Yeah. So not really a competitive football game. And I think at this point all Michigan fans are looking at this and being like, okay, Maryland is no longer a trap game. Right. Which probably could have concluded since yeah. the game's date I mean, is in November. There's going to be 50% Michigan <laughs> yeah. fans at College Park. But next week Michigan plays Penn State, and it kind of felt like Drew Aller got up off the mat here. But as you mentioned, a get-right team mm-hmm. is Maryland right now. And what we've seen from Aller so far this year is that when he's able to set his feet and sit in a clean pocket, he looks like the five-star he's supposed to be. But mm-hmm. as soon as you get him off platform, it's over. Yeah, absolutely. And that was a big key yesterday is he only faced pressure on 14.7% uh, of his dropbacks. Right. And, and that was considerably low compared to Ohio State and Indiana where he was up above 40%. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, that's the key to holding Penn State's offense. I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball against Michigan. I don't think so. Either. I, I like their running backs. I don't want to well, like dog those running I backs. Th- they're, think, they're running game. Sucks. I think Katron Allen has really played well the last two weeks. Yeah. Uh, he's really looked, looked good. But, I mean, contact right away. Both he and Singleton have to fight through contact almost immediately. And in the last two weeks, he's showcased the legs to be able to do that. You know, but again, you know, Maryland and Indiana, you know, you yeah. guys were talking about Michigan's defensive line earlier. You know, if they cut down that rotation and it's Mason Graham and Chris Jenkins every running down, that, that's probably going to be really hard to run through that kind of contact. Yeah, and then is Aller going to be able to do something more than he did in the Ohio State game? And Are they going to let him try to do more? Well, they're going to have to, I think, right? Yeah. Like, they, they, they know that if they try to replicate the Ohio State game plan for Aller, it's just not going to happen. Right. So they're going to have to take some shots downfield. And, like, they haven't done that this year. That implies that they're not really yeah. particularly good at it. But I'm, had, I'm watching that game as a Penn State fan, and I'm like, throw the ball downfield yeah. for the love of God. Yeah. It's probably not going to work, but nothing else is right. working. They've had two long plays all year. First drive of the season against West Virginia to Keandre Lambert-Smith, and then the clincher last week against Indiana. Those have really been the only two successful deep balls. Um Against the Hoosiers, they were throwing deep balls to McLean, uh, uh, Malik McLean, and to uh, Dante Cephas, guys that just don't have that in their game. And, uh, you know, the Hoosiers' young defensive backs were all over those. I mean, you go back to Alex Drain's comment at the beginning of the season when he was looking at her, he's just like, this guy does not have downfield accuracy. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why they don't want to be throwing downfield. They don't have a lot of great receivers to make those windows big. Mm-hmm. So now you're, you have a guy who is – Accuracy problems. Mm-hmm. You don't trust your offensive line, especially in the interior. And you're going to throw downfield with him. Like, there's a reason they're not doing that. They're going to, like, I'm sure they're going to try. Mm-hmm. But are they going to stop Mason Graham and Chris Jenkins from getting upfield with those, you know, with those guards? Like, that's their problem. They cannot develop an offensive line. And even you know, Olufashanu was not looking that good. I mean, this game he was fine, right? They didn't, mm-hmm. he did, but like. This year, I don't think he's looked like an NFL tackle. Yeah, and, you know, go back to the Ohio State game. We thought that that game was going to be decided by who could pressure the other quarterback, you know, not just more volume-wise, but but make the game-changing plays. And the critical pressure came with JTT shoving shoving him back into the – back into Aller on the fourth down play. You know, so, like, when – in the biggest games, he has not looked great. It's one thing to look good against Maryland, but, you know, he's supposed to be – stoning the uh, top defensive ends from these big teams, and he's not doing that yet. Yeah. So 
there's your answer. Why are they not throwing downfield? Is because it's going to get. I said this too at the beginning of the season. They miss Clifford because he was the guy yeah. that stopped people from rushing the way that you yeah. can. Like you had to mosh rush him. We used Taylor Upshaw last year. So was, he's a lethal quarterback draw guy. Yeah. So I think we're probably in consensus here that the Penn State offense is not going to do a whole lot against the Michigan defense. Mm-hmm. It'll look more mostly like the Ohio State game for them. Flip side of the ball, this is one of the best defenses in college football. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know they might have some holes that Michigan is able to exploit because they can go heavier than any of the teams that Penn State has gone up against. But they have Kalen King. Chop Robinson did not play in this game. He did not play. He warmed up, but he did not play. Yeah, they made a big deal about him warming up because he hadn't really even been doing that right until then. But you know, who knows if that's a real sign or not. I mean, he's they're going to be so cloak and dagger with that situation. He's probably not going to yeah, be 100% so. is the point. Yeah. And that is the most dangerous pass rusher we're planning on facing this year. Well, I like their other guys, though, that they still have. They're good. But, you know, taking one chess piece off the board is important. So, yeah. I mean, this is probably – I mean, it's not going to be like a demolition. But I just feel like what we saw from Ohio State against Penn State, Michigan should be able to better that. Cause yeah. They have the better running game. It's not been explosive, but Ohio State is like 104th in uh, EPA per rush. Mm-hmm. They're awful. And Michigan's, you know, decent. Yeah. Um, and their success rate is high. So I think they're going to be able to move the ball enough so that this is relatively comfortable unless yeah. you get some big, you know, doink pick sixes like last year. Yeah. And well, you got to think that the J.J. keeps are on. For next week. Yes. I mean, yeah. I, that, watching that game play out last night, you could just tell that that's the only reason why the running game wasn't working is that they just weren't going to do that. And with all those big guys that Purdue has up front, it was just a mass humanity. And you just don't get that same kind of mass humanity with the Purdue defensive tackles. I have a feeling that uh, Penn State in particular wanted Harbaugh out because <laughs> this is a the, – the way Michigan has dominated this game in the past is when it's just a coaching Night, you know. Well, it's it's always been more difficult at Happy Valley. So, yeah. Like Michigan has basically hammered them the last few times it's been at Michigan Stadium, but they've been in competitive games. And even if they, you know, lost the one with Eric All and should have lost the one with Ronnie Bell, uh-huh. like <clears throat> those have been games. Yeah. And you know, I don't. I mean, I, I look at this spread and it's like a touchdown. Yeah, it was like, a touchdown I, last yeah. I saw. I'm like, I feel low. <laughs> Like after watching that Ohio State game, I mean, you took you talked me out of because I was saying Penn State was going to beat Ohio State because I thought they just had like the, the the team that was built right, and the difference I thought in that game is that Franklin is just much a worse coach than Ryan Day, and I can't see how James Franklin is going to dial something up when Michigan has spent nine weeks preparing for just this game. I mean, it's interesting because like last year, Manny Diaz got absolutely blown off the map. Yeah. Like, his approach mm-hmm. to that game was awful. I think I had a UFR RPS of, like, plus 20 or something, which is astounding. Yeah. And that wasn't because of sign ceiling. It was because he wasn't lining up anyone up in the B-gap, and yeah. it wasn't putting anyone in the B-gap. Yeah. Right. Right. And and also, we had not seen a lot of J.J. Keeps up until that point. Right. So, like, that entire part of Michigan's game was not on film and was not – I mean, we're going to have to – Michigan is going to have J.J. Keep it a couple times in the first quarter, and they're going to eat – not very much. Yeah. Because they are going mm-hmm. to be like, that's what destroyed us last year. we got to figure something out about that. And Michigan's ground game outside of J.J. has not been explosive this year. So they're going to like take their chances with Corum and Edwards. And if J.J. keeps early, it's going to be unproductive. But you, what you're hoping there is that you have 
you know, knock-on effects from that like there were last year. I don't think it's just going to be like a, a regular zone read, though. I think there's going to be there's something gonna, designed. Yeah. There's going to gonna like, be some stuff yeah. that they haven't put on a film yet. Yeah. And I and that's where I'm coming down on this game, that Michigan's going to have some stuff that will score enough. I don't see how the Penn State offense is going to consistently move. Catron Allen is, is a dude. He's going to make some extra yards after you hit him. The way that things could happen is if Michigan's playing light in the box because like, they're They've been doing that all year. I don't think they're going to play light in the box against this team. No, I don't so, think so either. This is not Ohio yeah. State. They won't have that same strategy. So uh, that's the point. Like, we have not seen gloves off Michigan except for maybe a drive or two against Michigan State because they're Michigan State. Yeah. Yeah. Just one quick note about um, Allen is he's up to ninth in the Big Ten in yards per carry, which isn't great. But I had a tweet three, four weeks ago with both Singleton and Allen were outside the top 20. So he's climbed up in recent weeks. But I would be disappointed if Penn State – um, drove the field a lot against Michigan. They are 78th nationally in yards per carry, which is um, just in front of Bo- or just behind rather Bowling Green and Southern Miss, and they're 99th in yards per pass, tied with Northwestern and Florida Atlantic. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So feeling fairly, fairly confident about next weekend. Moving on to Ohio State 35, Rutgers 16. You might think that this is just like uh, another kind of dawdling performance from Ohio State before Mm-mm. they put the burners on. Not so much. <clears throat> Rutgers is leading 9-7 to seven in the third quarter. They are driving the ball. They try a quarterback pop pass. That is not accurate. It goes swing, 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 hits three guys, gets intercepted in return for a touchdown, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much it. Rutgers outgains Ohio State 361 yards to 322. Rutgers rushes for 300, I mean, I'm sorry, 232 yards at 5.4 a pop. Mm-hmm. And that's with Gavin Wimsat being Gavin Wimsat. Yeah. And well they were running with Gavin Wimsat. They they did they yeah. did run with Gavin Wimsat a lot, which complicates things. He has 13 carries in this game and I'm sure some of those are sacks, but Kyle Manangai, 24 rushes for a buck 59. Along a 45, so it's not like he had an 80-yarder in there. And then on Ohio State's part, Kyle McCord, 19-26 for 189 yards, three touchdowns, and a really bad pick. And then Trayvon Henderson, 22 yards for a buck 28 and a touchdown. Uh, Mike Williams is out for the season. Chip Trianum only gets two carries. So <clears throat> this looks like a fully activated Henderson. Mm-hmm. Like If he wasn't full go, they're giving Trianum more carries. And he does have sort of an open field ability that the other carry the other backs patently lack. So that might be a little bit of a balm for their rushing offense, but at the same time, he takes advantage of open situations better than the other backs, mm-hmm. but he's not going to grind out 4 yards after contact like the other guys. Yeah. And so it's all about whether Michigan can actually yeah. bottle him up and given what we've seen from their rush game this year, answer should be yes. Yeah, Rutgers was kind of playing without an edge in this game and that that's not what you want to do against Henderson. That was the only problem that Rutgers had in this game. They had a lot of bad luck. Like, there was well, the Ohio State's first touchdown, I thought was really good coverage, and the tight end just kind of yanks that ball yeah. in. Um, they were playing without Cade Stover. Yeah, they played without Stover. So, G. Scott is the guy who brings that in. Mm-hmm. And then Henderson also has uh, a 65 yard catch mm-hmm. for a touchdown where the tackling in the back seven of Rutgers was awful. Right. And I mean, you have some concerns about that for Michigan, but one thing that they do is they tackle in space. Yeah. Like Rod Moore, that one game against Rutgers accepted for the, his career has been excellent. Colson, excellent. Barrett, excellent. Like these guys don't miss tackles at a rate that 
other defenses. Yeah, do. you normally get one from a Kari Page a game. But, I mean, this game, I understood why it's hard to be a Rutgers fan because the team, because it was like there on the play, on the table for them. And just like, you know, everything. every time you think you've got something, it just reverses on you entirely. Well, those three first half field goals were all inside the 10. Yeah. Yeah. That was part of a seven-drive stretch where Rutgers gained 356 yards. And they ended drives at the Ohio State 4, 3, 2, 20, and 13, and there was a touchdown in there. And we talk about how nobody, how Michigan hasn't faced a snap inside the 10. I mean, Ohio State had a dozen of them yesterday against Rutgers. And you were talking about the running game. It wasn't just the quarterback runs. Like, Manangai was... The, yeah. the offensive line was blocking guys and getting Manangai to the linebackers, yeah. and he was putting a move on them and getting another six yards. It looked repeatable. He had 100 yards outside of that big 45-yarder. Yeah. That they had. And yeah. that 45-yarder, by the way, was the fumble ruski, the, oh, the yeah, snap yeah. between the legs. That was, that was great. But, oh, that's a great but, play. But you know, sometimes it's like sometimes you see a stat line against Ohio State, and one guy has just gotten off like on a long run, and it's like, 18 carries for 40 yards, you know, some other. But this was a legit – you take that long run out, and he had a legit 100 yards. 23 for 100. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Against a team that has absolutely no passing threat that you have to respect. Yeah. You can load up, especially because Gavin Wimsett starts his game off like 0 of 8 or something. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, their first three drives were all three and outs, and they had two third and shorts, and they threw them deep both times and nowhere close to connecting. And then they just gave up on that and just started running – Running, running. But if you can get past the Ohio State defensive line, which, you know, no no, no picnic, their linebackers are still very vulnerable. We saw that last yesterday. Constantly they were taking Eichenberg out of the play or Cody Simon or Steel Chambers out of the play. And you know what? I want to go all the way back to the start of October when they played Purdue and won 40-9. And, Seth, you brought this up when we talked about that game. Maccabee went over 100 yards and had a positive EPA per rush and was constantly creasing them for 8 yards, 11 yards, 9 yards. They just, you know, kept falling behind because they couldn't, but you know, Purdue's defense. Yeah, but, right. but they couldn't they couldn't they couldn't maintain that. So we've we you know, you see Rutgers do that and you see Purdue do that and you yeah. wonder why Penn State couldn't do that, but that's another story. Well, but, I mean, the weakness no, we don't you're wonder talking why about. Penn State. Yeah, yeah. 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 Rutgers tight ends, by the way, were balling out blocking all day <clears throat> yesterday, yes, yeah. and that caught my eye because they only have one of those guys. Michigan's got a couple. Yeah. I mean, the weakness that you're talking about is that Ohio State, you can run on them. Mm-hmm. But eventually Marvin Harrison's going to get you up by so many points that it's, you know, it's 35-10 or 35-16, and yeah. then you have to throw. If you're Rutgers. If you're Rutgers. <laughs> They have not faced any team that can run the ball like Michigan. We think Michigan's running game this year has been mostly bottled up because teams overreact to the running game. Well, also they've spent time wasting downs on stuff that, like outside zone, yeah. trying to get Edwards yeah. a touchdown. They have not been trying to be maximally efficient. Yeah, you know, which I assume they will be. Right. Plus, they've been you know they've been showcasing JJ a lot this whole season. I mean, you know, and that's an element to the Ohio State and Penn State games, like. These teams that they're beating are so one-dimensional, and you watch Rutgers do this, and you're like, well, Michigan's going to come in with you know, a quarterback that's going to be playing at the next level who's great off-platform and off-schedule, and it's a whole different, you know, different ballgame. Um, I cannot believe that for a brief second, I actually thought Rutgers might pull this off when they were driving in that third yeah. quarter, yeah. and I want to spend five minutes in the alternate world where they either kick a field goal to go up 12-7, or maybe we get a targeting there on Proctor. I want to spend, spend five minutes in the alternate world where maybe it's 19-7, to or, or wait, no, it wouldn't have been 19-7, it would have been 16-7. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I just, I just want some time in that world. <laughs> 
Yeah. And Rutgers, not to interrupt you, Brian, but Rutgers got off the mat after that. They did. They cut it back down to five, and a second time we're about to cut it back down to five and, and turn it over on turned it over on down. So they they kept coming at Ohio State. It was really kind of fascinating to see. We kept we're we're gonna we're gonna go up to Ann Arbor once once this game is officially over and before we knew it, we were there the whole game in Toledo before we left. So Yeah, I mean Michigan has some struggles against Rutgers in that game. The box score does not look like this. No, no. Box score is totally different. Michigan had seven possessions in the whole game against Rutgers. Ohio State had six in the first half alone. Four punts, a turnover on downs, and a touchdown. So even though the final scores look somewhat similar, Mm -hmm. the context is totally different. Mm -hmm. So this is another transitive dub for the Michigan Wolverines. I mean, so much of a transitive dub that... I'm actually going to make the case that wide receiver blocking tilted this game on that long uh, Trevon Henderson uh, run that set him up on first and goal. You know, they were only up, only up a score at that point. The Rutgers DBs could not get off the wide receiver's blocks to kind of can- contain that gainer to something shorter. Whereas earlier in the game, Kyle Manungai was just wide, running in wide open space, but the wide receivers couldn't keep their blocks and that kept it from a touchdown. And, you know, you take four points off Ohio State, add four points to Rutgers, all of a sudden 24-20. You know, that's another world I'd like to be in, too. (laughs) Before we get too excited about, like, you know, how much better we are than the number one team in the country, (laughs) uh, I mean, things that Ohio State is pretty good at. Stover, is he going to be back for for the Michigan game? Unless he's dead. I would think so, but the injuries are mounting up. Big time on this team. They were without three DBs yesterday. Proctor or Ransom's out for the season. Is he? Denzel Burke missed another game after coming back for the Indiana or for the. Wait, wait. Uh, I hadn't heard that Ransom was out for the. I season. think he's out for the season. He did not play yesterday, and they don't seem encouraged. I, they haven't I announced it. Yeah, I haven't heard he's out, out for the season. He would. I mean, his injury looked like a high ankle sprain. So I, I thought as okay. soon as that happened, I, I take that back. Not. Sometimes I get things mi- I mean, mixed up. Also, it know. might not be good if he's out. <laughs> wow, that's I don't know. It'd be but they literally were a, they impossible were... for him to have a worse game than he already. I know had that doesn't mean he's going to have a better one. Yeah, <laughs> but they, you know, their their backups are all freshmen. You know, they're you know they're really? very inexperienced uh, secondary that they were playing down three men because Proctor went out on that interception that that right. targeting that wasn't called. You know, yeah, but, it wasn't um, targeting. It, it wasn't. No, I okay, wanted right. it to be, but it wasn't. All right, okay, I'll I'll I'll, I'll believe you. I it, it probably wasn't. I was. Uh, it, it, there was a moment there where, like, I experienced Rutgers fandom, and I was like, "I gotta stop this." Yeah. <laughs> that's always the bad thing about like watching these teams. You're like, "Oh, this is what it's like to be an X fan." I was like, uh-huh. yeah, "That's not fun." Well, you know, Rutgers hung in this game, and they averaged minus point seven one EPA per dropback, <laughs> and they still hung in this game. Uh, the other thing I want to mention is for the second time this year, Ohio State ran a fake punt and it didn't work. And for the second time this year, Ryan Day said afterwards, "We didn't mean to run that." Yeah, what, what are they doing here? Are they sand? Are they sandbagging? Because last year there was the famous fake punt that never was in in the game, and well, it, it was like the Zoltan Mesco thing against Notre- where, where he yeah. like the punter was just like <laughs> I got memory. this, yeah, and he did not got he it. He did not, yeah, because Mirko one of those rollout guys who yeah. holds the ball until he gets pressure, and mm-hmm. he didn't feel like he was getting pressure, so he took off, and it was like not only did they, did they not make it, but there was a holding call. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 So it was like super not making it. And that, he, he didn't make it by like six yards, too. He was right. very far from. It was it was a baffling uh, circumstance. All right. We're going to move on. I don't know if this is the funniest or saddest game of the week, but you know what I'm talking about. You know I'm talking about Iowa 10, Northwestern 7 at the friendly confines. 
neither team gets to a hundred. Uh, no, but neither team gets to two hundred yards of offense. There are fourteen total punts in this game. Io wins it at the buzzer with a fifty-three yard field goal, and now is in sole possession of first place in the Big Ten West. Yeah. Like I just, just like I told you, I told you that at the beginning of the season I was going to win the West. I she, thought that Caden McNamara and Eric Hall were going to be involved. He can't, <laughs> he can't keep getting away with this dot gift. Yeah. I mean, they had a drive to, 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 to win the game. Iowa gets the ball, and everyone's like, oh, God, we're going into overtime. And then they move the ball. With Deacon Hill has a like his best pass of the game, which is like a 10-yard pass. But for Deacon Hill, it was a gorgeous pass. No, it was actually a 23-yarder to Caleb Brown, the Ohio State transfer. First catch, first catch of the year. And I know that we focus on, on Eric All and Cade McNamara, but every transfer article written about Iowa this summer – Included him as a key part, and he has not been a factor. That was his first catch yesterday. He was the the the, the third guy in the trio with JJ yeah. McCarthy and AJ Henning and let's, the, uh, the Brown were all buddies. Let's talk some stat lines. Oh, I God. didn't. How is this even possible? Deacon Hill, ten of fifteen for sixty five yards. <laughs> his quarterback rating was actually lower than Gavin Wimsett's. Wow. Well, the Hawkeyes were sub-sixth percentile in EPA per play, yards per play, EPA per dropback, and explosive play rate. They also allowed a 15% havoc rate. Of course they won. Um, 39% success rate for the Hawkeyes isn't too bad, considering they've been sub-30 a lot this year. But I think that rather than talking more about this game, we should mention, did you guys see the black-and-white silent film to vaudeville music that... Mr. Matthew underscore CFP put CFB put together. I did not. Oh, Brian, Brian and Seth, let me tell you, it it's right up there with the yakety sack Jimmy Clausen. Okay, it, right. it's humorous because it's black and white. The vo- I mean, it's just it's perfect encapsulation of the game. And there's probably at least three, like five to seven sec- second segments of this video where the grounds crew is just like replacing these huge divots on a field that they shouldn't be playing football. Oh, on. Is that Wrigley, by the way? Yeah, it's at yeah. Wrigley. And I'm, I, you know, you, you watch that, and you're just like, you know, all this safety talk, this player safety talk this week, and the Big Ten's trotting people out on that thing, you know. But at least they didn't have to worry about you know a team running into the wall in one of the end zones because they had they had the two teams. You know, the right teams yeah, to the play. Right teams, <laughs> there, yeah. there will be no touchdowns. <laughs> this game turned on a goal line stand, too. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Northwestern had the ball at the two with first down and couldn't score. Yeah. Couldn't yeah. Score. yeah. I mean, they ran this. They kept on running die, uh, QB sneaks in the, into the same gap every single time. The, uh, the leading uh, yards per play uh, player for Iowa was Cooper DeJean. Yeah, and they, they, he had to change his number so he could play on offense. Right. Somebody else changed their number. So I think it was Caleb Brown that changed yeah. his number. I'm sorry, you're right. Yeah, but it was Caleb Brown who changed his number. Yeah. Ain't nobody making Cooper DeJean change his number no. on this Iowa offense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. His number is three. I, I, I guess I misunderstood that Literally when I read that in the game. your best offensive notes. player is a cornerback, and that's been true all year. Well, I mean, this is a team that would be better off just running Wildcat every play to one of their running backs. And maybe or even, their or, or maybe even to Cooper DeJean, but, you know. I, f- I feel like one at one point I had like some sort of NCAA dynasty that ended up in this situation where like my best player was a cornerback and I was just like we should I'm gonna put him at quarterback. Point out that the Iowa touchdown was off a blocked punt that set him up on the 25. So it's not like there was a st- sustained drive. No. I think in the like, game. I think people just assume when you so, say that Iowa yeah. had 10 points that the so they had that there was a block punt touchdown in there yeah. or a Cooper Dijon return. So they had a, two. a touchdown set up by a block punt, and then that game-winning field goal was like a bomb. It was like a 52-yarder. Yeah. 
But they still they still got the ball to 25, yeah. and they drove to field goal range and kicked the field goal. I don't think anybody believed that that was going to happen. It's like, do you think that the Cubs are like, we got to stop doing this? Well, when it was still 0-0 into the third quarter, I was like, do I need to get the Cubs home schedule log up to see how many baseball games outscored this thing? But once they got the 17 points, I was like, I'm not going to do that. There's probably a few. There's probably a few. Well, I know they played the Reds. This is in the weeds. But they played the Reds a series in the fall. And one of the games was like 20-6. to And the next day it was like 17-9 to or something. So... I mean, there were some games against the Tigers this year where, yeah. like, when they just when they had no bullpen, they were just like, okay, we're just going to – here's our third baseman. Yeah. And Tee off. A little bit of a news item this week, probably expected, but Cade did announce that he's going to come back next year for his last year at Iowa. Where was he going to go? I, I don't know. Maybe a retreat somewhere sane, you know, somewhere where there's a beach. There's no Iowa football, but Iowa's perfect for Cade, and it's not like Deacon Hill's going to be holding on to the job. No, no. All right, moving on to Indiana 20, Wisconsin 14. Big ups to Jamie. I have no idea how Indiana won this game. They got outgained <laughs> by about 100 yards. They rushed for 1.8 yards a carry. They threw for 4.8 yards a carry. I guess Wisconsin had a couple of fumbles, but that's about it. Yeah, this is the second win in a row for Indiana against uh, Wisconsin, going back to the 2000 game. And uh, so two wins in four years, and I don't think the basketball team has more than that many wins against Wisconsin in the last 15. <sighs> don't don't look that up, everybody out there. Don't at me with the actual You're, record. Indiana it's bad, has a great week, but... and you have to trash the basketball program. <laughs> what kind of Hoosier are you? <laughs> One that's been scarred by the Badgers in both can, football and basketball. I can tell. <laughs> Good Jesus, man, that's that's rough. Yeah. Um, well, one problem for yeah. Wisconsin is that Braylon Allen misses the game. Yeah. Ches Malusi is out for the season, so their running backs are <clears throat> Katie Yacamelli, yeah, and Jordan Acker, no Jackson Acker, <laughs> who are <laughs> University of Michigan Regent Jackson. Yeah. yeah. So. Obviously, I mean, they still rush for 96 yards on 21 carries yeah. between them. Brayton Locke completes a, a half of his passes for about five yards an attempt, and it's just like, this guy, eh, not so much. Yeah, um, we've talked about this before with Wisconsin losses. Their pass-to-run ratio yesterday was 63% to 37%. They had a positive EPA per rush, but yet they're throwing two out of every three three downs, and they were only at 38% success rate passing the football um, and just, uh, what was oh. It? oh, yeah, minus one for <laughs> EPA per dropback. Just, uh, just, I don't understand why they just keep throwing the ball. Well, so many of them were not throws. They're, they're runs because they're screen pit. They're, they're screen, like, they're throwing to the sideline all the time. They're throwing to Chesman Lewski. And like, all right, but how did Indiana score 20 points against a D1 team? One incredible catch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Donovan McCauley. Yeah. Donovan McCauley, he continues to make plays. You know, the first half, Indiana actually moved the ball. They had several nice drives. Uh, that's where they got all their points. They didn't move the ball at all in the second half until they uh, iced the game with uh, with a field goal. Yeah. Now, this game was kind of like Indiana gets out ahead, and then it's it's just like, can they fit it? Can the game run out of time exactly. before Wisconsin like, yeah. comes back? And, and the Badgers were slowly but surely coming back. They were down three, 17 to 14, and they had a first and 10 at the 18-yard line in the red zone, and uh, they ended up punting on fourth and 30. Yeah. Uh, they had a delay a game, sack, delay a game sequence, and those two delay a games, I mean, this whole offense all year has just been delay a game, uh, um, 
false start. Jack Nelson, their best offensive lineman, picks up a critical holding play every game, I th- and he did so yesterday. I thought Tom Allen dialed some things up. I wanted to credit <laughs> him for, especially the the sack in there too. Was well, a, Aaron Casey was great. Yeah. So I mean, they know how to get guys into the backfield. They know how to screw with you. And I think some of those delays of game where Indiana was showing them different pressures and they're trying to figure out what to do. Um, the other thing, I mean, Wisconsin, we talked about guys out. Their leading receiver is also out, but they kind of discovered a guy in uh, Bryson Green. Well, he was their big transfer from Oklahoma State, and a lot of ink was spilled about how great he was going to be this year, and yesterday was, I think, his first touchdown. Yeah, but, I mean, he I mean, he looked good. He looked hard. He's, he's a big guy. Mm-hmm. He's looked hard to guard, and, you know, it was – it was him, and then who was the the one they ran the end around to? Who looked kind of funny? It was an Italian name. Wow, it was a Vinny something guy. My my friend, my friend and I like my my friend loves to do an Italian accent, so he was sending me texts for that one. <laughs> nice, yeah, Vinny Vinny Anthony, yeah. the second. Well, getting back to the IU offense and the whole concept of just sort of like holding on in the end, they had two hundred and forty yards in the first half, but they only had sixty five. In the second half, but Wisconsin only had 53 yards from the four-minute mark of the third quarter on until the rest of the game. So there wasn't a whole lot of offense, period, in the second half. And I do think, uh, I think maybe, fingers crossed, Indiana has found something with Soresby at quarterback. He's at least given them some stability. He's had back-to-back weeks of positive EPA uh, per dropback, and he's added almost 100 yards total these last two weeks in designed runs. So there's something there. I don't think they were fully all in on Tavion Jackson, and I think with the new offensive coordinator, who I'm not super fond of, but I think stability with the quarterback, but the new offensive coordinator, they're Walt finding Bell. something. At least yeah. he's not Walt Bell. Yeah. Well, I mean, Rod Carey's a good coach. He had a great career at Northern Illinois. He's an IU alum, you know. But uh, I think that I think maybe what we're seeing is you know belief in a quarterback, belief in a new offensive coordinator. They're three and six, Illinois, Michigan State, Purdue. I don't want to dream, guys, one game at a time. But if they beat, if they beat Illinois, I will be coming in here next week talking about our bull hopes. Because <laughs> they're going to beat Michigan State, and then it's down to the Purdue. Oh, okay. Speaking of Michigan State, <laughs> they get off the schneid in a 20-17 to 17 win against Nebraska. Heinrich Harburg. Oof. 12-28, two picks and a fumble. There was some rumbling about... <laughs> Sims coming off the bench. Harburg also rushes for 37 yards on 14 attempts with a long of 43. So that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. That's bad. That's some challenging math right there. Yeah, that's good. That's not good. <laughs> uh, Michigan State has Alante Brown throw a 42-yard pass. Caten Hauser 13 of 20 for buck 65. They can't run the ball at all. Right. And uh, you know this is just Nebraska kind of Nebrasking it with the turnovers. Uh, I should point out that you know Michigan State had 70 yards in penalties to Nebraska's zero in this game. Yeah, I got to experience this game uh, from Blaha on the, uh, oh, on the radio. Oh man, <laughs> and he was he was mad about that. Uh, so I guess there was at one point I I didn't get to see it because I'm listening to this game on the radio while driving up to Ann Arbor. But apparently at one point one of the Michigan State coaches runs right into uh, one of the officials on the sideline and. They give the penalty to the Michigan State coach, and he was livid. He was like, ah, he's wow. not looking where he's, he's standing. He's not even on the sideline. It looks like it. Blaha was, was, was mad. Feel-good story, though. Kerry Crump, not suspended anymore, <laughs> walks right into the starting lineup. D'Antonio will not be denied. <laughs> nope, not at all. Kerry Crump could be the worst cornerback in the history of Michigan State football, and he was starting this game. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, That'll show you, you, Michigan, Mm -hmm. for putting Kerry Crump on the sideline without an investigation first. Well, I mean, I don't think they necessarily needed him against Nebraska, but uh, 20% success rate passing the football out of Harvard. You were talking about possibly seeing Jeff Sims. I mean, this is definitely kind of like a storyline within a storyline. Every Nebraska game is the utter exasperation Matt Rule has at Harburg every time he comes to the sideline. I mean, it is a little bit like Rich Rod 2008-2009, you know, watching it, you know, watching the, the chemistry there. But he knows he can't put Sims in. Cause he just can't. He put him in for a play against Purdue, and they, he immediately dropped the ball, and Purdue <laughs> took it for a touchdown the week before. So he can't put Sims in. He just can't. As much as they like the improvement he's brought to the table this year, I think they're going to run him out of town if he puts Sims in again. So he is fit to be tied in that spot. But I do want to just mention from Nebraska's standpoint, they are trotting – out there, their second string offense. It might actually be closer to their third string offense when you break their depth chart down, you know. And it was just only a matter of time before this this caught up to them. They're down their top four receivers from the summer. Um, their top two running backs are out for the season. They're scared to death to play their third running back because he fumbles all the time. Um, they're playing guys these last two weeks that had like 100 combined snaps before last week's game, and they got a lot of production out of them and a lot of big plays out of them against Purdue, but they didn't get anything out of them. Out of them yesterday, and that's just how it's gonna. That's just how it's gonna go. This team is just gonna be in these tight, tight battles. And if the defense doesn't dominate, they're probably not gonna win. And during this winning streak, they had all these great stats, but looming was the fact that they had ten giveaways and were minus three in turnovers. And you know, we had two turnover teams yesterday, but Nebraska was the only one who turned it over. They turned it over three times to Michigan State's none, and that's kind of another thing that finally caught up to them. It just all contributes to Matt Rule looking like a guy coaching an under-10 soccer team right now. <laughs> I mean, you, you kind of feel for the guy because he can clearly coach, but yeah. he's just like, what, <laughs> what did you leave me, Scott Frost? Like, yeah. what, did, what were you doing? Yeah. Follow the ball. The ball went that way. Yeah. We're, we're, ah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, his greatest mistake was, was the quarterback thing in the offseason. You know, not just bringing Sims in, but not looking at any other quarterbacks and kind of letting Casey Thompson hang on a vine a little bit until he transferred in May after Sims had, had come in. And it was really interesting. There was a press conference this summer where one of the Nebraska beat writers asked Rule about Sims's, you know, high turnover numbers and whatnot. And, and he was like, I, I didn't realize Sims turned it over that much. That's what he said. And I don't know if he was just trying to be nice and whatnot, but he acted surprised back in August. And I was thinking about that as those first two games just, you know, snowballed yeah, away. That's, that's a that's a big gaffe right yeah. there because if Casey Thompson's on this team, I mean, they, I mean, they win this game. He was, he was a very positive factor for him last year. I go back to that Illinois game last year against Nebraska, that powerful Illinois defense. Casey Thompson had them on the ropes for the first half, and then he got knocked out of the game, and you know, yeah. that was yeah. all she wrote. But, I mean, it's weird how like, so it's, it's the transfer portal era, and you can go get a quarterback from anywhere, and they don't have to sit out. And somehow the Big Ten West's quarterback play has gotten massively worse. Right, and that was a huge storyline in the offseason was like, Altmeyer, Card, Sims, these guys have all turned their quarterback position around. Cade, you know, they've all turned their quarterback position around, and it's all been a disaster. Although we'll get into Illinois later. I think Altmeyer's kind of turning the corner, but all right, let's get an Alt let's get into <laughs> Altmeyer now. Illinois stuns Minnesota 27-26 after the backup quarterback throws a touchdown pass John in Paddock. the final minutes. Uh he is three of three for 85 yards. That's a lot of yards on three attempts. Altmaier 
24-31 for 212, so relatively efficient, but not particularly explosive. And Minnesota really can't do anything on the ground, which has got to be alarming for them. I mean, this is another... Did Jerzon Newton play in this game or no? He played in the second half. Okay. And instantly got a sack on the first possession, so I noticed in the highlights. That is something that... Uh, Obviously helps. Calic Manis, 11 of 22, buck 67, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Jordan Newman, is it Jordan? No, that's their safety. They got Newman's coming out their ears. <laughs> yeah. There is Jordan Newman. Jordan Newman, 19 carries for 75 yards, a long of 10. Her backup goes 8 of 16, 8 for 16 yards. And Isaiah Williams, 13 catches, a buck 31, two yeah. touchdowns. I mean, the secondary for Minnesota was supposed to be a strength, and Williams is more of a scat guy, but, um, I, you know, it's just a... That game-winning touchdown to him was incredible. I mean, you've got the backup quarterback who is coming in on that last drive because Altmaier is hurt. Paddock connects on a couple passes, and on the game-winner, he's just standing there in the pocket, looks Jordan Newbin off. Or not Jordan Newbin, his Tyler brother, Newbin. Tyler Newbin, maybe the best safety. Minnesota in, has Newbins coming yeah, out. Yeah, right, right. Illinois and, have the Newmins, new and the yeah, Newbins are the Minnesota guys. Looks him off <laughs> and just fires it to Williams for 40 yards. It was an easy touchdown. You know, their best defensive back was involved in that play, and the backup quarterback uh, got to him. I thought the statistical difference in this game was Minnesota had a 60-40 to 40 run-to-pass ratio, where Illinois was 60-40 to 40 pass. Minnesota couldn't run the ball, 3.3 yards per carry, minus uh, .14 EPA per rush, where Illinois, like you mentioned, was pretty efficient uh, throwing the football. And when you add in Paddock's stats, that was 8.7 yards per pass. Which is... So one team did nothing with what they did a lot of, and one team did just enough with something they did a lot of. Yeah, and it's a disappointing game for everybody who doesn't want to see Iowa in the Big Ten Championship. Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but <clears throat> I didn't want to see Illinois in the Big Ten Championship either. Well, it was Minnesota was going to be oh, Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. They were up a game. Yeah. So. Well, now Minnesota's really, really kind of hurt their chances because they do have a game with Ohio State coming up too in a couple of weeks. So, they can't like if we get one more one more of those Big Ten West sort of days. Like I don't know if Minnesota can really take advantage of it because they definitely have an automatic L coming yes. down the, down down the row. But this was actually a pretty entertaining game at the start for a Big Ten West affair. You know, you see two Big Ten West teams, and you're like, ugh. But four, <laughs> four touchdowns on each of the four opening drives. Then the teams exchanged field goal attempts, one missing and one making. And that was the first half. They each scored on their first drive of the third quarter. And you're like, okay, all right. And then the Big Ten West set in. Eight straight scoreless drives with seven straight punts. Well... <laughs> Man, they cracked they cracked twenty five. Both they did. of them. They did. So they got over the Ferentz number. Right. So I can't criticize them. <laughs> and they did it with like actual offense. It wasn't yeah. like there was a punt yeah. return or a pick six no, or anything. All four of those TD drives to start the game were like long drives. There's quality quarterbacking. You know, like I was watching the the extended highlight that the Big Ten Network always puts out, I, and I'm like, what's going on here? I vote that the Big Ten, like after they get done suspending Harbaugh, <laughs> they also. Take two wins away from Iowa and give them to these two teams. <laughs> <laughs> For like the good of the conference. I, I like mean, they're, they're off the reservation now. They can just do it. There's no rules just, anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do whatever you want. It's the purge, baby. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Illinois is not going to get back into the Big Ten ra- West race, but Indiana, Iowa, and Northwestern to close out. If they can get two of those, they're, they're going to be in a bowl game. And considering how just off the rails this season has been pretty much from the jump for Illinois, that would be quite a rebound. Yes, sir. All right. Well, so that's something to stay tuned for. <laughs> uh, I almost got through that with a straight face. I know. I know. Thank you, Jamie. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. It was fun.
this Lee Go podcast. I'm Seth Fisher, along with Brian Cook and David Nashnack. It's the Purge, baby. If you guys want to hear a crying baby, I'm, I'm near a bunch of them. So there <laughs> right. you go. Have a good flight. Say hi to Ryan Bye Walters guys. for Thank me. Thank you. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, that was a good <laughs>